Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 363. I am Peter and joining me as always is Matt. Hey, it's not the years, it's the mileage. And somehow we finally got rid of that cretin, that ginger menace who's been here for like over a month consistently. (laughs) Sorry, I wish he would just pop in. She's like, who me? <laughs> oh, no, no, he's, he's, he's busy. He's doing, he's got yeah. ginger business. I don't know what yeah. he's up to. But he's... we're a DC Comics podcast. We get together, we talk about this week's DC Comics that we read. Coming up on this week's show, we have Detective Comics 1073, Action Comics 1056, Green Arrow issue 3, Batman the Brave and the Bold issue 2, City Boy issue two, and that wraps up pretty much. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so kind of a, a mid- middle of the road week in terms of amount of books, but uh, don't worry mm-hmm. because next week Night Terrors starts. So I'm sure we'll have lots of interesting things to say about that. Uh, it starts and it might stop. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, I don't know what's. Well, we'll see at the end of the show well, which ones are specifically out. But. Yeah, we'll have at least a couple. But I am, I am refusing to read all of them. I don't have that type of time. I don't have a hard enough time with with five this week. So. Yeah, but you say that, but all your regular books aren't on, Matt. <laughs> what? All your regular books aren't on. So you you've got time for all the night terrors next week. No. Not all of them. I said I had hard enough time with five books this week. <laughs> and it's four that I like and one I tolerate. I know which one the toleration is. Yep. I had to think about it for a second. Yep. Uh, I know. We'll we'll, uh, we'll look at see what books are coming out next week. Uh, Matt will threaten to not read any of them, but read more than I do. I'm almost willing to bet you money Always. on that. Oh, I didn't even tell you if I didn't read something this week. I'm just going to let it ride until we start. You read all five of those, did you not? Yeah, maybe. Yes, you did. <laughs> we'll find out. If you read the one you tolerate, then why wouldn't you read one of the other ones that you you like? Mm-hmm. We'll see. I don't even get the point of this bit. What are you doing? <laughs> I'm saying you'll find out if I've read everything this week. When would you get to the books that we read? This doesn't need to be a mystery, Matt. It's not... It's not... <laughs> It's not Twin Peaks. You don't have to conceal it. Why not, though? Because it's important. It's important. I know what the itinerary is for the show. It's important the audience know so they can get excited about what the actual conversation is going to be. Yeah, but I like to think that they're going to tune in to see which book it is now. (laughs) I mean... That feels like if you go to see a movie and you're expecting, say, a character to show up, but yep. they refuse to tell you the character's going to be there, you just have to hope they're going to show up. And that, that, that feels like, I don't know. Char- that's not a movie, that's wrestling. That's True, true, that's, it's very wrestling. Card is subject to change. Yeah, yeah, but all, all I'm saying Look, is... If I lead with like, hey Pete, I didn't read Green Arrow this week, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I didn't either. And then I get stuck, right? Why would you be stuck actually, if that ever had read it? Because I did read it. And I'm always worried that you're just going to be like, yeah, I didn't read it this week. But I did read it. Okay. Whether or not, whether or not you... 
Can we just point out here that you read the books, you're just pretending that you might not have read one, and upon asking why you're even pretending, is for some reason thinking it would change the course of history. And Change the course, because the number of times that I haven't checked and just been like, oh, well, yeah, Matt read this, and he's the only one. So I'm just, I'm just trying to throw a curveball. That's all. You, you just peppy because there's a new Indiana Jones out this weekend? Is that all this is? Oh, yeah, and, and the Golden Knights are still the Stanley Cup champs, so... It's, well, of course it's, they're still the champs. It's been a week. Yes, I know. I, I would imagine it's going to be about a year before there'll be a new champion. Yeah, I mean, we, we got till October, and then the new season starts, and then there's a fanny chance, but still. Hey, one of my friends won a local wrestling title last night. I'm very happy for him. So, it's everything's coming up Millhouse. Hmm... Well, I suppose we'll get on with things, shall we? Yes. Can't have Matt in too good a mood. We need to start off with the Comixology Top 10, yep. everyone. Uh, you know it's true. Uh, all right, so as always, Tuesday and Wednesday are split up, so we'll look at Tuesday's books first. Their current ranking uh, on Comixology at the time of recording. Any guesses as to what number one is, Matt? I'm going to guess Brave and the Bold. Nope. Whoa. Oh, man. Tech doesn't usually sell that well. Don't tell me it's Green Arrow. Nope. Okay, action. It is action comics. All right. Should have went with your heart this week, Matt. I, I should have, but I, I always figure the action comes in one or two. So I, I gambled, you know. I'm, I'm happy that it's one, though. Yeah, action comics is number one, and then number two is Batman Brave and the Bold, oh, wow. uh, which... I mean, to be fair, it's an $8 book, so, I mean, there's a, it's more of an ask for it. Yeah, but it's also King and Garrett's. I'm sure that that moves some copies regardless of the price. Oh, no, I'm sure. I'm sure the reason why it's up as high as it is at an $8 book is because yeah. of that, their story. That said, these are just the digital numbers. Um, I'm sure physically it's selling pretty well. Uh, very probably. Uh, number three is Green Arrow. Number four <laughs> is Detective Comics. Number five is Fables 159. Number six is Riddler Year One. Number seven is Connor's current favorite book, Tim Drake Robin, issue 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight is City Boy, issue two. Number nine is Batman The Adventures Continue, season three. And number 10, because uh, we're out of single issues apparently, is Nightwing Volume 3. <laughs> so, uh, oh. current Nightwing trade uh, there. Uh, and there is technically some more single issues, but it's uh, mm-hmm. DC Ruby. Oh, and Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's oh, so less I, than a trade. I didn't hear Harley's number, and I thought I missed it. No, no, it's number uh, 11. Wow. So the new Nightwing trade's outselling the single issue of Harley Quinn on Comixology. So this is just digital numbers, but right. uh, noteworthy, all the same. Yeah. Yes, it is very noteworthy. Yeah. Uh, but notably... Uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earths uh, collection is under DC Ruby. So, Tom Taylor's a bigger draw than Dark Crisis. Well, confirmed. We knew that, though. Yeah. Yeah, we knew that. Well, I think, well, obviously, it was obvious for us. It was tr- true to our yeah. hearts, but it's just nice to be reassured that yeah. the population are not completely uh, stupid. <laughs> <laughs> It's not sold everybody. <laughs> just some of them. I just said they're not completely stupid. That was a compliment. Yeah. You're all sometimes, occasionally wonderful. Um, yes. 
so Marvel's, or I should say Marvel, Wednesday's uh, yeah. sales figures. And it's not all Marvel, I'm happy to say. There's at least the, one or two. Everything else, yeah. Uh, any guess? I'm looking through to see... Well, the fact that he said it's not all Marvel makes me think that the the Ninja Turtle book's up in there. Because that's the first one that comes up here. Um, I don't see anything big popping up. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Amazing Spider-Man 28. Nope. Not quite. Oh, okay. Um, was that a new Deadpool book? That, <laughs> that's not Deadpool. I thought that was a number, like, a zero, but it was an eight. My eyes are going. I'm just going to put you out of your misery here because uh, it's X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse, issue one. <laughs> Where even is that? Oh, it's right there. It was on the next row down. Wow. Um. Usually in League of Comic Geeks, that, something like that's in the first two rows, and I can catch it. But this was wedged uh, between Ninja Turtles and Dr. Aphra. Yeah, I have no idea what they're doing with X-Men right now at Marvel. I had a friend on Free Comic Book Day try to explain it to me, and I don't remember anything he said. I remember something about there being Nightcrawler clones and four different Mr. Sinisters, and that's about it. So, like, mm. hey, if, if you're liking it, I'm happy for you. Uh, number two is Amazing Spider-Man. Number three is. is Thor, issue 35. Number four is Power Rangers Unlimited. Uh, hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, number five is She-Hulk, issue 14. Number six is Storm, issue two. Number seven is Avengers Beyond. Uh, number eight is World Tree, issue three. This is a James Tynan and Fernando Blanco. Mm-hmm. Um I did not know no, about this. That didn't pop up in the top 10 the last couple of times, did it? No. I'm, I'm looking to see what this is actually about. Well, it's spooky, based on the cover. Yeah. So it says, World Tree holds the key to understanding why Ellison Lane's kid brother carried out such imaginable atrocities, but it may be too late to stop the internet from destroying someone else. So, um, seems like it's in, in Tynan's realm of spooky, like you said. Yeah, things are out of control. Yeah, yeah, I heard about that one. Uh, but yeah, same age that, that comes from. Uh, number nine is Carnage Reigns Omega. Okay, I'm not <laughs> uh, sure. Number ten is Star Wars Darth Vader, uh, black, white, and red, or whatever it's called. Yep. Is actually what it's called? I always call black, white, and red. The title was cut oh, off, yeah. so I just guessed the end of it. Yeah, good, good guess. Okay. I mean, those are kind of Vader's colors, though, right? Like, there's not too many others. I mean, I'd argue it's just black and red, really, but, uh, yeah. you know, for the sake of art, you have to have the white as well. <laughs> right. you got to um, break up the, the chest panel somehow. Yeah, um, yeah, Alien comes in, issue three of that's at number 11, uh, which I may still read issue two and three and talk about them on the show at some point. I was just kind of yeah. saving that and then another book that I wanted to start uh, for a super quiet week. Uh, which we may not actually have for probably a month because of Night Terrors. I can see oh, month yeah. two of Night Terrors being a lot quieter because we've decided yeah. which ones we don't want to read <laughs> after yeah. the first ones. But I suspect July might be a little busier week to week just because we're trying a lot of those. Maybe mm-hmm. not all, but a lot of them. Yes. Well, there you go. That's kind of what's top ten. All right. Off you go. You've had your whack. All right. Uh, there, is, <laughs> there is one bit of news that's worth mentioning. 
Uh, not comic books specifically, more movie related, but we did get some big casting this week for Superman Legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Clark and Lois have both been cast. Uh, David mm-hmm. Currensweet, if that's how you say his name. Corey, yeah, Currensweet. That that yeah. sounds about right. And then Rachel uh, Brosnahan. Uh, yeah. They have both been cast as Superman and Lois Lane. Um, I didn't think I knew the guy from anything. Turned out he was the projectionist in uh-huh. Pearl. So that, that's exactly where uh, when we were watching Pearl, I told my wife, "I go, man, he's got Clark Kent vibes." You know, so turned well, out uh, maybe I wouldn't say I mean, his character's personality doesn't, but I see why you said that visually. Yeah, I, yeah. When I say by vibes, I mean he cuts the figure. You know, he's the projectionist in a small town. You know, he's got this kind of aw shucks to him. Mm. A little bit. Uh, there's a much darker side to him, though. Uh, so, yeah. And then the yeah. actress is from uh, the marvelous Miss Mazel, which I know was very popular, yeah. won a lot of awards. I have never watched it, so I have no. As far as I know, I have never seen this actress in anything. So, uh, uh, my comic book guy had told me because he watches everything. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's perfect casting. She's essentially a Lois Lane type." on uh, Miss Maisel, which is about a, a comedian, I think, in the 50s, 60s, as she works her way up. So uh, he's like, it feels the, you know, much more of the Margot Kidder kind of vibes of, of Lois. You know, she's mm-hmm. sassy, and uh, which, which makes me happy because, you know, uh, I, I like a sassy Lois. What's, what's the lady that's on um, Superman and Lois? I uh, think she's pretty good, too. Terry Hatcher? No, not Lois and Clark. Oh, right, you the, mean the new the one. Uh, I'm forgetting her name. Because Terry Hatcher's my favorite Lois, so... Um, I can't remember yeah, her she, name. Yeah, I think she was pretty good. In the one season of that that I watched, I liked her Lois. So if we're close to that, you know, kind of mix those two, I think we'll be in good hands. Now it makes me want to watch Miss Maisel, though, because it's been sitting there on, on Prime, you know, constantly being recommended. So, yeah, I think I have time and time for Superman Legacy. Well, yeah, it's going to be like at least two years, and that's if yeah. the various strikes don't delay it further, like everyone yeah. else is getting delayed. Um, I think yep. for me, I like that, relatively speaking, these are unknowns, and I realize that being the star of a TV show that's went multiple seasons isn't really an unknown, but she's unknown to me, <laughs> and that's... Well, but, but go look at her filmography. It is a lot of TV stuff. It's not too much movies. Yeah, she's not the big so, movie role. But the, the yeah. point I'm getting at, though, is that I, I I think Superman especially, I like when I don't really know the actor from anything mm-hmm. else first. I don't like being clouded with something else. For, some, for whatever reason, that's a particular character where just someone that I don't know... Uh, yeah. You know, you just an unknown is the best fit. Same with the T- T-1000. You, you, Robert Patrick was an unknown... <laughs> I was wondering where you were going with that. I was like, wait. <laughs> well, I was just trying to be funny more than anything, but it is a legit trivia question. If if, if it ever comes up, what, what, what's the connection between Superman and the T-1000? Um, some people might say, oh, they're both made of steel. <laughs> no, it's uh, they're both, they were both unknowns when they were cast. Yeah, so I'm looking at her her movie list, and it's not like a lot of stuff that I recognize. I'm sure she's been in movies, but yeah, nothing. Oh no, she has, but it's not stuff. I mean, the finest hours. That's that's the title. I know. I think Chris Pine was in that. Um, the Unborn sounds like a horror movie from 2009. Yeah. Oh, that movie's horrible. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a David Goyer uh, production. That one. Gotcha. So, 
but yeah, then you, you get down to TV and it's just, it's full of, of stuff. So, um, she was on the blacklist for six episodes. Okay. Orange is the new black house of cards for 19 episodes. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. I, I like, uh, you know, I like when there's Superman news, that's positive, you know? <clears throat> yeah. All right. I mean, it's, it's, like yeah, it's 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 perfect. Honestly, it's the best type of news that it could have been for this casting. But it's also mm-hmm. not much to really say about it. It's just like yeah, they 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 cast people who look like they could be Superman and Lois Lane. Mm-hmm. But I don't really have much of an opinion on either of their acting abilities, which I actually like. Like I say, I prefer that yeah. they're unknown to me. But at the same time, it makes it mean that there's not really anything to say about them either. <laughs> beyond just they look kind of like they they suit the mm-hmm. roles, you know. I can see him with the curl. I can see her running around the Dilly Planet, and that's about yeah. it. He has the build of Superman, kind of in that same way that uh, Christopher Reeve did, where they're just kind of like this big guy. Um, and I think sometimes that, that goes a long way, because you want that guy to fill up the, the S. That was kind of a thing with, with Ralph, where I thought his performance was fine, but he always seemed like of a smaller build. Mm-hmm. And it, it felt like a guy in a Superman costume instead of Superman himself, you know. Uh, yeah, it's not really like a muscly thing either, because it's not mm-hmm. like Christopher Reeve was super muscly. It's just no. it's just a, a sort of shoulders and chest kind of shape thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it fills out the costume. So, but but yeah, very very exciting. I mean, I'm, most of the things that James Gunn touched, I've enjoyed. So the fact that this is moving, <laughs> where did he touch you? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I would take a hug from him, but <laughs> you know, James Gunn seems like a good hugger. But but yeah, that was just a weird way to phrase it. Uh, James Gunn, James Gunn's well, touched things that I've enjoyed. Well, the things that he's touched, like you know, stuff like not necessarily directed and written, you know, but things that he's produced. Uh, just keeping keeping that as a white berth, because so it's not just as Marvel movies. Like I'd rather enjoy Slither. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a completely different movie than like the vibe of uh, what I would expect from Superman. Although they both learned about aliens, so who knows? I mean, to be fair, nothing in his uh, filmography really makes me think Superman necessarily, no. but he's saying a lot of the right things when he's talked about what mm-hmm. the movie's going to be, uh, so we'll see if he can pull it off. And it is a tall order because no one's been able to pull it off really in a long time. It, uh, you know, One of the biggest things about Superman as a movie character is that all the iterations we've had in the last, you know, ever since Returns, really, have been kind of off. I mean, Returns had different problems to the modern ones, don't get me wrong. Returns was more just overly nostalgic, but missing kind of the the actual, you know, plot. (laughs) Yeah, I get how it's a, you know, I don't want to say a sequel, but it, it follows in the footsteps of the first two Reeve movies. Like, it has that same tone. And it, and it's a pleasant watch, although it's kind of boring in parts. But I, I feel like it, it is Superman. Superman doesn't throw a punch, really, at all in that movie, you know. Uh, but he does. He does Superman esque things. <laughs> well, yeah. If nothing happens, then there's no punches to be thrown. In the- <laughs> right, right. But he still. I mean, he still lifts the the big ass kryptonite. You know. I, I'm just. I'm just saying the 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 entire plot of that movie, the concepts that went into mm-hmm. it, were very ill-informed from the get-go yes. there's there's not really enough going on to say hey this is why we need to make a superman movie it was all just kind of relying on nostalgia mm-hmm. 
and repeating the whole real estate like scheming from Lex, which just kind of yeah. like it's fine in Superman the original, the, you know, the, the first yeah. movie, like you know that was just kind of their first crack at it, mm-hmm. right? And Gene Hackman's really entertaining to watch in that role, but yeah. he's not really what I would he's... describe as my my preferred type of Lex Luthor. He's you know no. he works for that movie and that's it. Um, yeah. But like. You know, and obviously, yeah, it's just hard to talk about now because it's Kevin Spacey, and he's... yeah, exactly, and it, and it sucks because like you, you don't want to praise it too much, but like uh, playing a a, a slimeball douchebag, who would who would have thought? He was just playing himself. Yeah, I mean, even the director's problematic yeah. as well. So the, the the whole thing's a bit of a murky uh, discussion yeah. point, to be honest. That's why I went to Ralph because at least Ralph was pleasant as Superman. You know, he, he did his job. Oh, Ralph. I, I said Ralph there. I was like, who's Ralph? Who are you talking Ralph. about? Ralph. 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 Yeah. It's a, it's a different name. And he, he looked like Christopher Reeve a bit. So, you know. Uh, but yeah. Uh, just excited that this is, you know, coming around. And again, positive news. People seem to be pretty positive about these castings. Because you always see in the castings, mm-hmm. people always, you know. Though, but I haven't seen too many complaints. So that that's tends to be good. No, that's true. I've not seen any uh, broad negativity, and Mm-mm. I think that's probably as well why ha- having relative unknowns works. Is yeah. because it's hard for someone to come out and say, "Oh, this guy sucks because of this, this, and this." When you're like, mm-hmm. "Well, what have you seen him in?" Uh, <laughs> right. Well, so you know, it's a blank right. slate from that kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. Whereas the announced Jared Leto for something, and I'm instantly like, "Ah." Yeah. Um, not that I care about this uh, th- th- that's just fresh in my head because they just announced yeah. that Tron 3 is going to start shooting later this year and Jared Leto was in it and yeah. I was like oh that's a double edged sword for all the Tron fans who want another Tron movies <laughs> they have to put up with Jared Leto I know you're talking to one I, I really enjoy Legacy uh, and oh. you know so it just seems like they're they're undoing because I feel like is he playing Killian Murphy's character or is he playing the main I have no like, idea. Is he supposed to be the hero? I have no yeah. idea who's playing. Hmm. So remember they set up Killian Murphy to be like this big deal. Like he has this big cameo in the beginning and then he's never mentioned again. Uh, I, I noticed that. I, I saw it for the first time very recently mm-hmm. and that yeah. stuck out to me that he was randomly there on credit. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be David Warner's son because it's Ed mm. Dillinger Jr. So I feel like they're setting him up to be the, you know... The, the heavy in the next one that never arrived. Most like a strong legacy is kind of a mess. I enjoy it, but it more has to do with Jeff Bridges than anything. Essentially, just being the dude in a computer. Um, you know, and there's some father son themes that strike, you know, striking to me. But yeah, um, yeah, Jared Leto being announced for things. I almost was tricked into watching Morbius. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't take the bait. <laughs> so. Uh, was it not Morbin time? It was not Morbin time. Don't worry, soon it'll be Troning time. Yes. So, oh, that, that I would be tricked into saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, someone was like, Morbius isn't as bad as people say. And I was like, mm, I feel like you're trying to make me do something. I'm not wasting two hours. Like, all the right? legitimately great things I tried to tell you to watch, if you mm-hmm. fell for someone just saying, oh, Morbius isn't as bad as people say, yeah. I'd be actively annoyed at you. There's actual great yes. cinema that you are yeah. putting off. Yeah. Right? For whatever reason. Hey, but you should be happy that I didn't. You know? I still haven't seen Spider-Verse. I'm still trying to find... Well, that's still in theaters. I'm, I'm trying to get yeah, there. Yeah, I haven't seen it either. 
So I just all I hear is good things. It's another one. Um, but yeah, let's yeah. see. I'm looking for who he's supposed to be playing. Although Daft Punk's attached again, so that's good. So that might be the best Wait, thing that's about. The, that's Trump. that's the one carryover is Daft. Wait, didn't Daft Punk like like disband? I don't know. It says they're still set to serve as composers. Maybe they're just disbanded as a as a band, as a, but yeah. like as a touring. Yeah, you know. But as musicians, they're still together. Yeah, okay. Uh, let's see. Garth Davis Leto's as one of the main characters. Oh God, he's also a co-producer. So yeah, he's probably playing a main. That's a bummer. That's uh, that throws a wet blanket on Tron. Oh, I did see Box Lightner's name there too, which you know, de aging being what it is. Uh, I'm oh, sure they will. Commander Sheridan's back. Mm-hmm. What's he, Commander Sheridan? In? Babylon Five, baby. Ah, there you go. His name is Tron. He <laughs> fights for the users. So, I don't even know Babylon. What is Babylon Five about? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I know it's like this great sci-fi okay, uh, show. How do I but... sum this up? Um... Is right. Babylon 5 a space station? It's a space station, yes. It's a space station set in the... Well, it starts off in the year 2258, and it's a mm-hmm. space station where there's ambassadors for all the different like, alien races that interact with humans, and mm-hmm. there's, like, a, you know, tensions of possible war because of the histories between some of the races and, and so on and so gotcha. on. Uh, and Box Lightner is the commander of the station season two onwards, so he's, like, gotcha. the prominent character for a long he's time. He's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, so it's basically space UN, you know. There's, there's, or or like the West Wing in space. It sounds like uh, a little bit, but obviously there's, you know, there's not a, as dry, of course. Yeah, there's, there's more sci-fi elements to it. Yeah, you, but you that's got, another big pitch. You got, West Wing in space sounds great. Yeah, if uh, you ever seen Star Trek: Deep Space Nine, that's the show that mm-hmm. uh, was always accused of ripping off Babylon Five. That was their space gotcha. station show. Gotcha. Oh, my dogs are not happy with something. I'm going to yell at them. Okay, Matt is now yelling. He, The veins popping out of his head. He's now turned back towards the screen. Well, no, my wife left in to, to go get a pedicure, and she might be coming home, and my dogs get excited when when she comes home. So, Or someone's out front. Who knows? Nah, she's away to go see Dial of Destiny so she can uh, whisper at you <laughs> the entire time. This Let me just tell you. Good. Had she done that, I'd be getting a lawyer. Right? <laughs> That's a line you don't cross. Uh, uh, Indy without me? Absolutely not. So, yeah. But anyways, Battle 1, 5, D-Space 9. Wow. Never really noticed. They're both numbers, both similar. I wonder. Mm. I wonder, wonder. Well, yeah. Uh, all right. Well, shall we get into comics then? Seems like a, a thing to do at this point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, we will start off with Detective Comics 1073. This is Ram V and Ivan Reese on the art. So, yeah. Um, we obviously had the big cliffhanger last issue with the, uh, Batman having the decision to uh, whether, you know, to mm-hmm. whatever the other one was, but or blow up where he was, but the building uh, to save the, the rest of the city, which obviously he right. picked. And this kind of kicks off with, of course, uh, you know. We knew you were going to do that because you were so selfless. Yeah, but, obviously yeah. he wasn't prepared. Uh, the villain, nope. what's his name? Uh, Arzen. Uh, Arzen. Orgum, yeah. Orgum, yeah. Uh, 
he wasn't prepared to die with, with them, of course. So he they they right. had the tunnels reinforced, all that. Right. Guys. Contingencies. Yeah. They just it was almost one of those things. Where it was like, well, Batman, we knew what you were going to do, but it's twofold, right? It's like, yes, you're willing to sacrifice yourself for the city. However, you know, without you, what is Gotham? So like, there's an ego thing with Batman that Arzen's accusing him of, and you know, as much as I like to to hate on Bruce sometimes. I think that's a wrong reading from Arzen, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Also, there's a second artist here. I should have mentioned. Uh, I was looking at the second page. They're going. That doesn't look like Reese. Yeah. And then I went back to the credits yeah. page. I was like, yeah. There's also uh, Goran Sudska. Sujik, yeah, or Suj. It's not, it's not Sujik. It's, it's no uh, Su- Suzuka. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, it's one of those Eastern European names. Uh, because I was looking at the second page and like uh, Gordon's face is very flat, and I'm like, that doesn't look like Ivan Reese. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I didn't see that when I was getting credits off all your comics. Yeah, it feels like uh, Ivan Reese does all of the Batman stuff in the tunnel with, yeah. with Orgum, and then the other guys doing the outside, the going ons of Gotham. Which is an okay way to split it up, mm-hmm. but certainly it's a much flatter art style than than Reese. Even they on don't, Barbara's face, yeah. for example, it's very very flat. Yeah, they don't complement each other that well, so. But I didn't have any. It didn't take me out of anything. Um, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, when when ArcLight does show up, it, it looks good in that art style. You know, I think his suit lends itself to that because it's like the the dark with the light lines. Yeah. So it, it kind of lends itself you, you to a flat that, style. That, that contrast they yeah. can play with. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so we have this explosion. Nightwing uh, and Cole got everyone out of the the building though. So obviously no one got hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and the transition between the arts isn't too bad because it is such a stark difference in yeah. color palette and it's a different location. We're in the tunnels and all that, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Arzen's big thing is... Uh, or Sorry, the Orgum's big thing is that they've got their the lady with all the eyes, right? Uh, yep. sh- she goes on camera and they start beaming out to everyone in the city. Um, basically mesmerizing them and brainwashing yeah. them into like what their idea of the future of Gotham is. Mm-hmm. Uh, whilst Batman's taking on uh, Arzen himself. Arzen. And it, it's actually, like you say, Arclight shows up and smashes all of Oracle's equipment to basically save her from being hypnotized. And then she calls mm-hmm. her dad and he is like, you know what? I've been brainwashed and like mind controlled and all these, these things before. I'm, I, I'm pretty... I've been scarecrow gas, joker gas. <laughs> they've injected me with venom. I, I think my brain's okay. I, I really did love that. That was yeah. a fun little piece from Man V to show that Gordon, you know, he's he's got that dog in him. He also saves uh, Montoya from being brainwashed because mm-hmm. he opens the police truck and she's like staring at the screens like she's in the I love that he smashes it. She's like, what the hell, Gordon? And then it clicks. Yeah. Um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it's almost like it's, it's almost like time is frozen until they get smashed yeah. and then she's like, what the hell are you doing? And yeah. yeah. So we're setting up that a lot of the city is going to be kind of under the influence of the of the the arguments or at the very mm-hmm. least not complying in the same way they normally would with everything going on right so, because of that reality engine right that's that's yeah. deep in there Which, it's magnifying her powers i do like actually uh mm-hmm. showing up felt a lot more natural here compared to the yeah. last time the vigil showed up because because we've read a couple of issues of their book now yeah. they've established a lot more thoroughly to us the audience that they're about tracking down devices and technology that are too powerful and could cause mm-hmm. too much harm. So the idea of this reality engine being something that's on their radar actually does make a lot of sense. Yep. 
I thought the same exact thing. So when he shows up, um, you know, I wasn't confused like I was at the first time. Like, wait, what the hell is the vigil here? Because yeah. we really, we had him in that one shot, you know, essentially. But here, like you said, two two issues in, you know, Arclight being the point man on this one, especially too, um, you know, because it is it is using the, the TV screens and the monitors and all that other stuff. Uh, he, he's pretty effective. Um but yeah, no, the I think her name's Shavad, the serpent they keep calling yeah. her with all the uh, eyes. Uh, do you know what? I remember who all the characters in the family are. Yeah. But I don't remember any of their names. names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they all just yeah. immediately leave my brain as soon as we're done talking about the issue. But the only reason I know that is because I'm not open on a page that has her name. Oh, very good, but, very good. Yes. But but yeah, she's you know, the the multiple eyes on her and stuff, it's it's all very cool. And we've seen her, um, like, mesmerize people and convince them to mm-hmm. do things before, but this is obviously through TV cameras. This is yep. a, a much grander much scale. scale. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I will say I don't like about uh, the art, specifically the Ivan Reese art, is I don't really like the choice when uh, Arzen goes, like, supernova and, like, hulks up. I don't like yeah. that he, he, he physically gets, like, big and, like, you know, 90s Bane-looking with yeah. all the muscles. I actually think that's a bit... It feels really... In a story that's felt very fresh and different and, like, we're introducing mm-hmm. a set of unique villains that are, are functioning differently, I think having him just hulk up like he's Bane like this made him feel a bit more generic. So I think that was maybe a mistake on the choice of... Whether it was Ram V's instruction or Reese's, you know, decision himself, I think right. that was a, a, a bad choice to make him just go muscly like that. Yeah, like... Because there's other ways you could do it to make him just as strong and bulky, you know. He kind of maybe turns to metal, Colossus style, or maybe even like the thing, right? But just to have him venomed up. Um, and it kind of looks silly with that tiny mask. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah, there's that um, panel where he's punching Batman and like the yeah. arms coming up into the next panel. And the, yeah, the face yeah. looks dead small compared to the rest of the the body. Mm-hmm. Um it's just it's just a choice I don't like that much. I think mm-hmm. keeping him sleek, but just saying that oh he is stronger now without you know yeah. like maybe you could visualize it in some other ways, but I, I just don't think the going ultra nineties Bane look is, yeah. is what I do with it. Uh but at the end of the fight, he actually takes Batman down by tricking him by holding like a a vial of the mm-hmm. asthma in his hand and he's because he goes to punch Batman then opens his fist instead. And yeah. lets that all go into Batman's, you it's, know, face. It's almost like, uh, in it's almost like the inverse of when when I think it's Neo is fighting uh, Agent Smith at the end, of uh, the first Matrix, and he goes to punch, and then he he stops it, and then he makes the, the four fingers and gets them in the throat. It's almost the opposite of that, where he goes to punch and stops it, but that's what he wanted him to do. Oh wait, no, okay, yeah. I I was I was trying, I couldn't think yeah. of it. I was trying really hard because I was imagining uh-huh. this. You know, like, yeah. it's, it's like yeah. no, no. there's a moment where he goes to punch him in the chin yep. and he doesn't quite reach, so he goes like that and lifts his fingers up and yep. gets his throat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yeah. remember, I remember. But this is this is like the opposite where he wanted Batman to stop it so he could essentially blow the ga- gas in his face yeah. and affect him with the asthma, which... which yeah. Yeah, obviously, at least in a sequence where Batman has to escape and he, he plants mm-hmm. an explosive quickly on one of these little bat bombs yep. on on organ but he he's yep. he, he has to do this great there's this great couple of pages where he's like escaping throughout the sewer he's going down this whirlpool mm-hmm. and then you see barbatos sort of pick him up and this is in his mind of course effectively right. but you see barbatos pick him up and basically barbatos's narration or uh, dialogue comes in saying hey yep. you're going to have to hand it over to me and let me take charge you're going to have to let me do my thing like you keep resisting the you know the temptation 
to give um, in to me. Yeah. But, you know, and it even says as Bruce goes off at the end to go deal with stuff, basically this drug that's in his system, this uh, asthma that's now in there mm-hmm. fighting for control, Barbatus is the one going to be fighting it off. And it, I think what I like about this is that this more explicitly leans towards, at least in this context of this Detective Comics mm-hmm. run, that Barbatos is less this, you know, mythological thing that Grant Morrison set, set Barbatos up to be, mm-hmm. and more the personification of, like, the demon that Batman is inside mm-hmm. his own, like, mind, if you will. Right, it's yeah. it's uh, what they're talking about at the beginning with, with Arzen, where he's like, you know, it's your ego that won't let, like, yes, you would sacrifice yourself to save Gotham, but you also don't like the thought of Gotham without you. That's kind of what Barbados is. It's that it's almost Bruce's ego that that kind of drives. I want to say ego, I'm meaning it in the psychological, not like you know what we think of as ego, but it, it's his pure desire, right, to constantly protect Gotham. And it's almost like Barbados is telling him to fully give in. Yeah, you know? yeah. Although it does seem even darker than that as well. You know, it feels like this is a darkness mm-hmm. that Bruce can't come back from. So yeah. he's, you know, he's like, you know, uh, well, you know, well, you'll taste the darkness just a little bit, and mm-hmm. he says no, and Barbados calls him stub- stubborn. Uh, yep. But yeah, he's there to like fight off the. So it does give us this ticking time clock right now because the, you know, the issue ends with Batman just coming out of the sewer, yep. uh, great, and like all this just sort of leaves off at that point. But it leaves off with Barbados is fighting off this infection uh, of this other uh-huh. entity trying to take control of Batman's body. And it puts us mm. on this ticking time clock of like, something's in Batman's body trying to take over. And presumably that won't be resolved and taken out until maybe the end of the arc or something like that. Right. So that means that throughout this story, we're probably going to see glimpses of like him having to fight off like this thing trying cool. to take control of him. Yeah, I mean, and we have all those backups that were written, I think, by Cy Spurrier of Two-Face doing the same thing, mm. right? When they try to get him... With yeah, the, you know, and, that's actually a really interesting point, is that uh-huh. thematically all that Two-Face stuff from the first, you know, arc yep. of this all of a sudden feels even more relevant because now Batman himself mm-hmm. is having to fight off, like, another side of him inside, inside now. Uh, right. Or the other side... That's effectively has two face, like you know, you know mm-hmm. Harvey has the two evil two face. Right. Barbados right, is effectively his two face, and mm-hmm. then this third entity is coming in fighting for control. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of fun stuff so, happening here. Well, that. Yeah. And you get an appearance by Two Face in this, right? Because you have the the Ten Eyed Man, who's you know, like I I see I see cities and cities have personalities, and you know, um, you know, th- this one is changing even if people don't see it. I see it, right? Because he's the Ten Eyed Man. He's a creep. Uh, and, he, and he says creepy things like that. But uh, Two-Face is sitting there and uh, someone, one of his henchmen come up to him uh, and, you know, ask what they're going to do. And he just gets this determined look on his face of tight patrols, um, up security. He's, he's banned down the hatches, troops. effectively. Right. Um, and so he's just like, we're going to weather the storm. Right? Because he knows, like, he knows what the Orgums are about. And so it's almost like they're kind of, not that they're playing into his hands, but... It's almost like he knows that he knows that this is going to be their downfall. And specifically, you know, he's, this is Two Face, the persona talking as well the mm-hmm. entire time. It's the, right. it's never the good Harvey side, yeah. Right, because it's remember because he he took over to defeat the um, the asthma. Remember because he had to tell him who Batman was. He's like, I know you know, and so if you just tell me, then I'll do this for you. So again, it ties in thematically with Barbados. 
of you know just give in and i'll defeat this thing so and i, I think um, that's the yeah. point is that harvey did give in ultimately mm-hmm. whereas bruce probably will not Won't. yeah right and that'll and we'll be get interesting a, and, and you know we'll get a, a demonic batman you know running in the streets <laughs> uh, you know Hey, based so, on the art here, because the, the best art on the issue by far is the mm-hmm. Barbato stuff, uh, yep. which is, is obviously Reese. Uh, yep. That stuff looks fantastic. And if we're, if we're going to build up to, like, almost like if the Asthma, because obviously the Asthma turns people into something, like, you know, one of them is mm-hmm. a werewolf, one's the, you know, whatever. Right. I do wonder if, like, Bruce literally, for a while, whilst this is in his, in his system, turns into this big bat monster. <laughs> if, if this is Bruce's, like, Cap Wolf moment, like and we we get you know a man bat s kind of creature Batman. I'm I'm here all the way for it. <laughs> and this is this is what comics are meant for, is, is silly shit like this that you can take seriously. So, uh, but well, yeah. well, it's well written and everything CD mm-hmm. appropriately, and it, it, you know it, there's themes that back it up. It's not just for the sake of it. Wouldn't it be cool if he turns into a monster? Then right, yeah, yeah, you're in for a good time. Uh, you know, and mm-hmm. he even brings up. Uh, the past with Raz and like oh like mm-hmm. you know yeah your father was betrayed but not in the way you think he was and yeah. that neatly ties in again to you know the continuation of this story in the backup which backup. is mm-hmm. which is young uh, Arzen you know he wanted to defend this tree but these assassins shot from the League of Assassins or are they from the League of Assassins mm-hmm. as we find out by the end honestly the, the the reveal that it was the mother probably who sent these assassins after her own son to yeah. like snap him out of this you know emotional shit was like the most predictable, and not in a bad way, but it was the most predictable no. thing that could because, have been. <laughs> I mean, she she had her husband's best friend uh, kill her husband. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Uh, of course that she's gonna send. And like, I also feel like if the assassins would have killed Arzen, she would just be like, okay, what's the next plan? You yeah. know, the, like, the the big thing here is the so <clears throat> the, the you know some of the, the the henchmen, the guards, and the whatever they come out and they kill two of the three uh, assassins. Mm-hmm. And one runs into the garden, but they've got the garden closed off, so the, the assassin can't get out. And young Arzen uh, says, "Hey, we're not going to just uh, hunt him down. That's not enough. We have to do this properly." And basically decides to burn down the entire garden. And yeah. we actually get yeah. panels of this assassin burning in the flames as the entire garden's on fire. It's yeah. like the darkest shit ever. And my favorite thing of the whole backup is that when he suggests this, the look of pride on his mother's and face. Mom, it's almost like choice. she has tears in her eyes. Yeah, she's like, oh, my right? sweet boy. <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, he goes all Seth Rollins and burns it down, even his beloved tree, that the whole point of that garden, right, was him finding the spot for that tree that him and his dad planted, you know, and they, you know, they had to destroy parts of the garden. And so in order to, you know, kill the people that were trying to kill him, he, he burns everything well, yeah, down. Yeah, well, the whole thing almost... last time was that you have to kill other things so that the one thing you want to live can live. Here it right. extends more into you have to kill everything to start again so that something new right. can grow and, you know. That, right, that. right. And so, you know, he's, you know, he, he makes that decision and that's what she needs him to do, right? Uh, and then she has a music box made, which, again, tying back into the music box from the very beginning of, of this arc in Detective Comics. Um, she has a music box made from the burned wood of that tree for him. Um, and then uh, also filled with, with body parts from the assassin, right? Is that the same box? I wasn't sure if that was the same box. I, I'm not sure, but it 
she gives them a box and there's, you know, I don't know if that's supposed to be the idea of the tree in it, right? Because the, 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 the box she looks at on the last page, which has the tongue and the right. eye, which are talking to right. her, may I add, right. uh, and, you know, basically giving her advice. Yep. <laughs> um, like, I didn't think that was the same box she gave to him. I could I could be wrong, but... Uh, they look very similar, though, from the way that they're drawn, so I'm not similar. sure. But the other one has, like, a little mini tree pop out and it plays music, but, whereas this one's just right. an empty box. Right, but is, is that supposed to be, like... To me, I read that as that was his idea of the tree, right? This is what the trees become. Mm. And so I didn't imagine that there was a little tree that popped out of it. Um, so... I mean, you might be right. I, I, I don't know if it's ultimately that important if it's the same yeah. box or not. Uh, I, I think it's, you know, she, she's getting this advice um, from... From body parts. And, and it, yeah, and it's where it's intimated that she set these essence. It wasn't Rod's. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's also motivated uh, her son to, like train and he's, he's, he's just training constantly because there's like a panel where it says oh ever since the fire like there's been nothing but the sound of clanking metal you know right. the idea that he's been sword training the entire time since yeah so he's determined well, it seems, you know he's he's yeah. you know he's he's got he's got his goals now he's 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 dead set you know basically his mother got everything she wanted right right and i also took it as you know this this pulls him closer into her realm of the asthma right like the the his bodyguard that died it's almost like she was like he can't have that honorable man around or else he won't take the leap so it's almost twofold right and that she gets mm. rid of this bodyguard almost his kind of alfred like character uh in order to push him down the dark path so uh yeah no and he looks he looks uh pretty pretty scary there at the end the the last panel the the mice there ain't nothing in there yeah that's an interesting way to put it is that he was kind of like he's alfred and she has went out of her way to take his alfred away from him. like you know, imagine bruce if alfred was taken from him as well not too long after his parents and how much of a new devastating you know experience that would be and maybe that would have set him down a path that would have been less and even darker yeah so mm-hmm. um yeah there's some interesting parallels there to it's it's almost like he could have been another Batman with the way he was like mm-hmm. going, but every chance she is like just no 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 push it further this direction at every possible yep. juncture. So yeah, now yeah. which, which mm-hmm. is good because it's it's, it's giving him some more depth as a character, uh, which is good. Uh, yeah. you know as we're playing out this the story in the present day part of the issue. These these backups have been pretty strong so far. I mean, there's the occasional one that you know the the Gordon stuff. That was kind of hit or miss. Well, but... that, that was very separate, whereas th- this mm-hmm. last couple have, have been very, very closely related yeah. to what's going on in the main story, and they've been better for it because they're actually enhancing a character yeah. in the main story. Well, yeah, because I enjoyed the Freeze ones too, you know, the two Freeze ones I brought up earlier. This one, it kind of informs the story. I always like when, when backups do that, right? They feel like they're part of the greater narrative, uh, but while telling their own story, so. Yeah, um... No, it's very good, obviously, and we'll be saying this for almost everything we talk about today. There'll be no issue next month, because, yeah. or even the month after, because we're doing Night Terrors instead. Uh, so, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is an okay like cliffhanger, I guess, to, to leave the two months on. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it still bums me out that we have to take a break from it for two months. Uh, but we'll be back to Detective Comics proper in September. Uh, what are you rating this issue, Matt? I'm giving this an 8.5. Okay, um, 
I think I'll, I'll I'll go a little bit lower. I think because of the art shifting, uh, in the main story, and even the fact okay. that even a couple of pages of Reese's art because of the choice with uh, Hulk top uh, Arzen, I yeah. just don't think I can quite go higher than an eight. But I'll, I'll give it the eight because I really like what the story's doing. I like the choices he's been given. I really like this fight for who Batman is inside of him now mm-hmm. that he's been infected with the the asthma. Yep. That's all interesting. The backups enhancing the characters in the main story. They need the fleshing out. You know, unlike Batman and Co. who we've had for a long time, this is the fleshing out one of the newer characters. So that's quite smart. Very good. So, uh, 8 out of 10, uh, I'll say. Uh, all right. Action Comics 1056, Philip K. Johnson, mm-hmm. with Rafa Sandoval and Max Schreiner on the art on this main story. Uh, so. Yeah, we start off mid-fight, because we were fighting with uh, Cyborg Superman yep. uh, last issue. That takes up a good half of the issue, so I would say... Um, L- lots of double-page spreads. Lots of double-page spreads. Which, which lo- in an action-oriented uh, issue, not, not bad. Not a terrible decision. No, uh, some makes good, for a quick there, read. There's some good ones. It was a very quick mm-hmm. read. You know, the one with Cyborg Superman in the middle monologuing as the action yeah. sort of playing out around them in like, these sort of circular mm-hmm. panels, I thought was quite cool. That was nice. Uh, ultimately, the big thing, though, is that uh, Metallo's sister, uh, like, basically when she fails mm-hmm. uh, to to do what she was there to do, um, Cyborg Superman just tries to kill her. Uh, like, on the spot, oh, you failed, you mm-hmm. weakling, and just goes to kill her. Uh, and Metallo obviously isn't particularly happy about that, and uh-huh. rips Cyborg Superman in half. In half. Long ways. Not like top bottom oh, yeah, yeah. he goes from the sides like you're trying to shoot a paper yeah from, 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 the, from the neck so the yeah. head's on one side it's not like halfway right. down the face but like no from, from the neck yeah. down the middle uh he's ripped in half which is fun they do mention that cyborg superman is still very much alive because his mind mm-hmm. is in the phantom zone this was just this right. body and this was and this was based off of the the unmade technology right or, yeah uh, yeah uh and and the white sun as well so because he was bragging to superman early like you've never faced me at this power level before you and i'm coming for your family because you couldn't save my family and you know typical henshaw stuff so uh but but i do like the the aspect of of the kids being there is another wrinkle for for superman right because because it's more people that he has to worry about and i think that that plays out on in the final uh couple pages too yeah, uh, it does the classic thing where we hear like one of Clark's stories uh, and the, as mm-hmm. the narration for a couple of pages talking about the city and all that. Uh, but mm-hmm. the big thing that comes out of this is that they fix up both Metallo and his sister with artificial mm-hmm. bodies so they can walk around as human. Um, and they mm-hmm. have a moment, which is actually... Uh, you know, it's emotional. It's also quite dark at one point because his sister obviously was this really good positive element in metallo's life so mm. when she says like she's disturbed because she can't feel anything because she's like basically ripping off the fake skin over the metal yeah. arm and yeah. she's saying i can't feel hot i can't feel cold i don't feel like i can't touch and feel anything right and she says i'm a monster like you and that's like oh shit that actually because of the way they set up like that she's this positive force in his life for her to say mm. that and you get it, it's coming from shock because she's not really dealt with what she is yet and this is obviously a huge change to her mm. but it, it does come off as like a, oh shit 
she needs him now in a way that you know he needed her before uh right. he doesn't get angry about it he doesn't like react like oh what, what how what dare you how dare you say that to me he just sympathizes he gets down and they end up hugging and he convinces that they're going to be there for each other and it's, it's, it actually ends up in a sweet scene which ultimately ends with you know superman and co watching on the screens and him saying yeah. look one day Metal is going to surprise us. One day we'll be glad that he's around to help. Um, so mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it's a, it's a sweet Superman esque kind of like you know punctuation what, point in the whole thing. Yeah, what I like about the the Metallo and his sister stuff, stuff is he goes, "It wasn't the kryptonite or the metal that made me the monster. I was like that before, mm. and you're not like that. You're like them. So you know, you're one of the good guys, and you know, I'm not going anywhere." So yeah, it is just really nice. And that statement meant something mm-hmm. uh, in the arc because we actually saw some of his backstory with his dad yeah. and like some of his mm-hmm. troubled childhood in this arc. And that stuff, you know, was solid enough at the time. In hindsight, now that we're at this point, it mm-hmm. feels more relevant and it feels more justified because it meant when he said this here, it actually mattered right. to us, the audience. It wasn't just mm-hmm. it wasn't just fluff that you put in the, the scene in the dialogue. It was like, no, no, no. No. You've shown us that he actually did go through this stuff, that he has had this anger in him since he was quite young. And he was already this, you know, villain effectively before he right. ever he got a metal body. He was already on the way before they got the kryptonite heart put in him. Right? That just allowed him to be the full version. Uh, and so for her to compare her because, you know, now that she's, you know, made of metal and powered like he is, but, you know, that's not what makes him a tallow. It's, it's the, you know, well, not, not even the lack of humanity, but it's that coldness that he had from the way he grew well, up. Well, yeah, I mean, so. that, that's the other thing about it is that him, that's what I'm saying, is that him being there for mm-hmm. her now to right. sort of see her through this when she was there for him trying to make him better and maybe right. she doesn't realize it but in some small ways she probably has made him better yeah. like those visits when he was in prison led yep. you know he didn't want to like take the new body when he thought it was working for lex he didn't want yep. those things he was resisting those things and it wasn't necessarily out of like you know something super noble like he believed in the goodness of the world but oh. you know he didn't want to just be that again uh, so right. it's a bit more He's it's, wanted- it's a bit more nuanced than you know what, right, what it it's not otherwise. just that John Corbin's been redeemed, right? He was already on that way when we started this arc, right? Like, he just wanted to be left alone in solitary, you know? And his sister could, to come visit him, and he was happy, and he was at peace with that. And then when they, they pushed him, right, and he got to unleash that again, I feel like it's uh, Johnson going like, well, yeah, no, he's beyond this life now. You know, he wants to change. He wants to do that good, and it's mostly because of her. So how this ends here, you know, when Superman does say that, like, maybe there's there'll be one day, right, uh, he'll surprise us. I, I, it feels real because of the, the arc that we've seen him take. Yeah, and I like that it is more nuanced, though, because it's not, it isn't just a tale of redemption. It's actually mm-hmm. a little bit more complex than that because he didn't no. want to be a good guy necessarily either. No. He just didn't want to be, you know, what he'd been before. So... He's kind of forced into these situations and he's still ultimately only doing things because he cares about his sister right up until the end of the story. There's never a point here where he makes a heroic choice to do something good mm-hmm. just for the sake yeah. of doing something good. He never does that. And it's I think, for his sister. And I think what that does long term is that if you are eventually going to have him have those moments, it'll feel more earned when we get there rather than just rushing mm-hmm. to it now because it's the obvious story to do. Right. So. Right. Yeah, because if he ends up like, you know let's just say hard up for money or whatever. I could see him not, you know, 
not turning that down. It's almost like the rogues that kind of way, right? I don't feel like he'll be doing super villainy things, but he won't be on the up and up all the time. So yeah, which is not to say that I honestly think this will, like. I mean, maybe this is something Johnson's got planned to pepper back mm-hmm. in throughout his run. Maybe it's not. I don't know. It might never really go anywhere beyond this. This could be the last we see of Metallo in this run, and that would be fine. Uh, but I, I do appreciate that it was a little bit more nuanced, and bad guy is now good. It was like, no, bad bad guy still got a lot of shades of grey, but he doesn't want to be a completely evil anymore, and that's right. that's something. It's, it's a step in the right direction, even if it isn't the full yeah, thing. He's making the decision not to be a monster. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I like it. I like the uh, the art too. Um, like you're talking about the the layouts for the um, fight scenes. Like it's a lot of double page spreads, but they don't feel the same, right? Like you have the one that has Cyborg Superman in the middle, and then everything kind of around him, the circles, and then it gets the next page is another double page spread, but it's all traditional, you know squares and whatnot so it keeps it like moving but you never get like bored it's never that oh it's another double page spread with the big action in the center uh it's all varied and like metallo ripping him in half like that uh and it's done with the basically in silhouette uh looks really really good the you know the greens and the gray off of metallo with the silhouette uh he had like blue sparks coming off of him so Thoroughly enjoyed the art in this issue. Yeah, I actually really like the two-page spread where Superman's hovering above the city, and it's when he's you know reading out his article yeah. and the narration. Um, it's really nice. It's also a very much more calm and peaceful color palette than mm-hmm. all the pages up until that point, which makes sense because it is this calm and peaceful sort of bird's eye view as opposed to yeah. an action scene. Um, and then that sort of continues into the scene with Metallo and his sister, which again is all very sort of like calm, comforting, yeah. like you know muted greens and things like that soft blues yeah, yeah. so yeah. all that stuff's good uh, the final scene of the issue is kind of a tease for what's to come so we've been hearing about these blue earthers these uh, anti war world immigrant uh, characters these anti-alien characters and we're revealed to whoever's running them who um i do not recognize uh this character I do not either uh I, my hunch is that this is a new character that, that johnson's setting up because i mm-hmm. thought for a second we were about to see someone we knew because the way it was because it was you know it's mm-hmm. that thing in comics where it's clearly about to reveal something in the next page and i was like oh who's it going to be and i went oh it's some uh goth chick yeah so some That's... like clarion's big sister or something <laughs> yeah you know i don't know let's see usually Usually, League of Comic Geeks will have something. They don't have her listed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so... This is setting up... Uh, a part of what their plan seems to be mm-hmm. is to ruin and discredit Superman to the city and, and, and indeed the world. But this idea that they're going to make... Mm-hmm. Basically, basically, she's saying that, okay, yeah, kids have Superman shirts, but their parents are terrified to send their kids to school because of what Superman's like influence and like fights and what chaos he, are going to yeah, do. Yeah, what he represents and you know, they're all the Blue Earthers are talking about like, you know, coded language of like, oh, it's all Kryptonian technology putting this, you know, city together and you know, that that's bad for us because we need to you know, we need to stand on our own. As this yeah, yeah, they're, they're talking about Steelworks uh, rebuilding yep. some of the buildings in the city and the infrastructure being based mm-hmm. on Kryptonian tech and stuff like that. Yep. 
Uh, but it's, yeah, it sounds like they're going to try and make Superman look like a monster to everyone. Yeah. Uh, probably trying either doctor footage or maybe lure him into a situation where he will look bad on camera. Yeah. But yeah. And that's why I'm wondering if the kids are coming into it, right? Because we know how protective he is over them. You know, we, we see what, you know, everything that just happened with Cyborg Superman and them and, and that. So I'm wondering if how they play in, because I do feel like the ties to War World are still going on. And, you know, they did, the kids did attack those Blue Earthers. Well, at least the, the girl did. I always get them if she's, oh, Solar Ortho. Mm. Um, but she did attack them uh, to set up all of this stuff. So we'll, we'll see how that comes in. But, yeah, I'm curious to see who this chick is. Because uh, I was also getting Black Alice wise. I know it's not Black Alice. Um, but, you know, yeah, they're, no, they're dark. it's entirely possible it's just a new character. And mm-hmm. we're going to just discover who it is as we, you know, yep. as, as we go through. Um, if, this, if this is someone that's not new, uh, by all means, let us know. And the mm-hmm. comments are on Twitter who it is. Yes, <laughs> but, uh, no one stuck out to my mind when I saw her. Uh, so the first of two backups is the continuation of the Dan Jurgen story, which is John's now been kidnapped by this alien princess who wants to squash the revolution that's happening on our planet, and mm-hmm. Superman's coming here to basically find out what's been demanded of him. Uh, but John is trying to find a way to like make noise, even though he's in a lead box. Like, how can he he make some sort of mm-hmm. like noise that carries to the outside that? Clark will recognize as him. Um, and that's the entire, pretty much what the whole issue is, and that he's trying yeah. to do this. And just at the end, he's like, he's got like enough like energy left while the princess is like gassing the room because she's realized yeah. that he's trying to make noise. So he's like, I'm going to do one last big, you know, bang to see if it can attract my father here. Because right. um, Superman is just trying to buy time. He basically uses heat vision to make a moat around her like palace. So the angry, like, you know, civilians can't get to her but obviously he doesn't actually want to intervene because this is a political thing he doesn't do that uh. right right and and the, she has a son so you know he's got to figure all this out it's one of those old you know you, you'd see him in like old silver age where you know there's a bunch of boxes but which one is he in right because she hints that he could be buried he could be in the ocean that, that's right. that's, that's a good point is she said she has mm-hmm. like 180 lead boxes right. around the planet just because if right. it was just one he'd be like well it's obviously that one lead it's box that one. <laughs> right and so and again him him you know he goes i need to make it look like i'm doing something while not doing anything in particular which is a nice little you know line for for superman to toe because he's basically know, clearly, he's basically just someone with an office job trying to look busy uh, yeah. Even though he's got nothing to do for. <laughs> Don't believe me, I know that one very well. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously Lee Weeks art, and this is very good. Um, mm-hmm. I- I've not been thrilled with where the story of this one has went, and this this yeah. part of it's fine on its own for what it is, but I- I'm still not thrilled by what it's... this has turned into. She just like she started off as this kind of nuanced alien princess character, to now she's just like some despot, you know, who monologues, which I, I don't like that turn i wish there was a little bit more of a you know a little bit more of a nuance like so, we yeah, talked she, about. She, you know unlike metallo in the main story right. where he became more three-dimensional nuanced because of the writing of the arc this character went from seeming like there might be more to her to oh no she's just a two-dimensional villain and yeah. there's like nothing more to her uh, also, it awkwardly cuts to Lois at what for one page where she's like, "Oh, it's a good thing this big giant beam's got uh... the stasis tube keeps Doombreaker away from me." <laughs> yeah, and she's like, I'll... "Okay." Uh, 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 oh, crap! My office. She said, um, 
like, oh, like, oh, yeah, it'd be a nightmare him running around if, if Superman mm-hmm. wasn't here. But I'm like, forget like him running around. If if that beam turns off and you're standing right there, you're the one who's eating it before anyone yeah. else does. Yeah. <laughs> so that was just a weird thing. But like, again, there's nothing actually like bad. It's just it's, it's I don't know. It's just conceptually not that exciting. Yeah, I guess, is yeah. It? Like, yeah, it's fine. It's I think it's well written. The stuff with John, I really like him realizing like I got to make noise that sounds man-made. Yeah, has has problem solving and narration's yeah. fine. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. stuff. It's, yeah. it's you know it's just all the Doombreaker stuff felt kind of tacked on anyway. It felt like the Alien yeah. Princess story was the main story. Yeah. But unfortunately, that's also kind of taking this turn where I'm just not that yeah. into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so but, yeah, kind of you know, mediocre. Weeks, I guess. Weeks art, Weiser's colors, everything really on that side. Oh yeah, that was looks great. great. And actually, on the main story, despite the fact that there is a, a fill-in artist helping out, uh-huh. I actually thought it was far more consistent than Detective was. It was a lot yeah. more. They, they they still fit together a lot better than that book did. I thought. Yeah. In general, it looked quite good. So, mm-hmm. uh, art in the main story, I, I do think, is quite solid. Uh, we talked about the mm-hmm. layouts a, a bit, of course, but even yep. just like the actual pencil work and the colors, I think, looked really good. Uh, here, obviously, Lee Weeks has been, you know, he's Lee Weeks. Yeah. Uh, I just wish it was on a story that I was into more. Um, and I must confess, I did not read the last backup because I didn't like the first part of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, actually, if I remember correctly, I didn't finish the last part of it either. Yep. Like, I started reading the last one and then gave up like three pages in. Yep. Uh, but. Did you read this? Nope. Okay, well. Yep. That remains that. Uh, yep. I did not like it either. I, I did two of them. And I'm like, that, that's enough. We're, Wait, we're good. Was this a week you weren't here last time? No, no, I, no been... I read it. Yeah. I read it last time. Okay. And okay. I just was like, I just don't. I, it wasn't. It was the, the Dorado Quick dialogue and stuff i just i couldn't yeah the dialogue you know, so, was rough yeah I, I, so, I didn't even check it this week uh, this month to see if it was any better but the last issue yeah. was really bad yeah i was like I, I can save some time by not reading it so yeah that's, yeah that's all right what, what we rate in action comics then i'm gonna give this an eight yeah i think that's i, I think the i think the emotional payoff mentality is pretty strong i think the art's pretty good and I like what it's setting up uh, for the future. Art's quite nice too. If I was to mark it down for anything, is is maybe by being like almost over half the issue being a lot of action, uh, that tends to mean it doesn't feel like there's a lot of other things going on instead. You know, it, it was kind of, you know, it's just you know whiz bang actiony things for you know maybe a few pages too many. But like it's a minor quibble, mm-hmm. uh, so I will agree with the eight out of ten. I think, yeah, 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 ten. I was going to compare it again to something else, but I'll, that's more for a, a ratings at the end. That's gotcha. more for the rankings at the end of the show okay. uh, debate. Um, okay. Green Arrow, issue three. Joshua Williamson writing with Sean Isaacs on the R. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just heard a, a hefty sigh there as I was introducing I, that. I'll just get this out of the way. I want to like this book more. This book has characters I really like. I don't understand the the reality time hoppiness of it with these characters well here's the thing it felt very random the last two issues this uh-huh. issue actually tries to contextualize it a bit obviously yeah. it doesn't give us all the answers but it turns out that this reality jumping nonsense that's happening mm-hmm. seems to be more related to, to shoes than anything else mm-hmm. and it's all basically you know it, it like so she explains 
that ever since she left her dad, she's been jumping around reality like this and mm-hmm. settled eventually in Alley Town in Gotham, with, right? And that's where she, that's where we were introduced to her again in <laughs> right. you know, in recent history. And that's okay. So they're establishing that she's tied to this. And then as the issue goes on, it turns out that the reason why that was happening, so that, uh, effectively, when, as I was reading this issue, I was feeling like this entire arc is just to explain why Shoes and like, the mm-hmm. Green Arrow family have all been disconnected uh, up in, you know, for, for recent years. And all I could think was... I don't like that they're actually making this like a canon thing that... Me too. You know, like... Like... Just bring we, them back we, together. You don't have to explain it. Like, I, I gotta give William some credit too because when he brought back Roy, he was just like, yeah, cracks in reality. Roy's back. Here we go. Um, and, and it's comics. That's, that's a big enough of an answer sometimes. As long as he writes Roy consistently going forward, we can, you know, accept yeah, I the... Just... It was when it was adding all this into the backstory of Shoes yeah. where I'm just like, I did not need all this. I did not need all these explanations. Like, it, 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 so, so what it turns out to be is that Green Arrow from the future, because mm-hmm. something really bad is going to happen that we don't know about yet, but something really yeah. bad is going to happen that is the fault of the Green Arrow family. And because of that, he is in the future with some force put something in place that if they ever get too combined, like if too many Green Arrow family members get too close together again, some of them will just teleport magically to another time and place. Like, I, I hate I'm this. Trying, yeah. I'm <laughs> not trying it. to talk bad about Josh Williamson. I like him as a writer. I met him. He's very nice. This is a terrible idea. This it's is just good writing for me. Well, like, it, just, it's, it makes Oliver in the future sound like such a goddamn yeah. idiot. <laughs> like, well, I, to be fair, <laughs> that is kind of Oliver in a nutshell. Well, I right? know, like, but like, but even the problem with this, beyond just the the yeah. obvious things, is that if you actually told the characters in the past the bad thing that's going to happen, they can try and avoid it. But his logic, apparently, is that just to magically let them never be together, which, what do you think family members who love each other are going to do when they keep being pulled apart? They're going to keep trying to come back together. And yeah, that's the flaw (laughs) in his plan. (laughs) Right? Like, Roy, if he finds out his daughter's alive, is going to look for her. It's so stupid. And I just, like... And the stuff with with Leanne, right? I could, I could again, I could accept that, like, oh, they thought she was dead, but because of Waller's machinations, you know, she timey wimey stuff, whatever. And now she's shoes, and she came up in Alabama, and she doesn't remember. She just kind of has vague memories of her family, like that tells kind of the same story. And you can add the reality jumping stuff around there, but just like. The stuff from Oliver, the, like they can never be together because there's a stark figure. And I'm, I'm thinking, I was like, who's this guy that looks like Oliver? Is this like, um, are they playing into when Waller went to Earth three? Like, is this Evil Arrow? Like, and no, it's Ollie from the future. Yeah, it's just, just Oliver from the future. Yeah. Ugh, I will um, say, I did, I did get a crack up out of Peacemaker and Roy, uh, having a shooting contest, and you know, Roy being able to goad him. Uh, into it i thought that was pretty fun so that there is some positives here um, oh yeah that's a cool separate scene that's that's uh, yeah. Dina and roy are trying to interrogate count vertigo and mm. peacemaker will step aside and let them do that uh, based on the shooting competition but yeah. as for the main story though 
most of the issue, it turns out, is taking place in the Legion of Superheroes time. Um, and Connor's been there for a little while. He's got longer hair. Um, and obviously Oliver and, and Leanne have just shown up there. And this is where they get a lot. They find out, like, basically Brainiac 5 or whoever is, like, scanning yep. them and trying to figure out what's going on. And they come to all these conclusions. Well, does, doesn't Brainiac say that there's, like, a device in their neck? And that's what makes yeah, them think of Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Suicide Squad style, like, bomb in the neck. Yeah. But it's not a bomb. It's a teleportation, yeah. like, trigger. <laughs> also, what, like, okay, look at the Arrow family, right? And there's not, like, outside of Dinah... There's not really a a member that has like reality warping stuff, right? Or or potential. So like I need Williamson's really gonna have to try to pull off whatever this event happens that causes Ollie to be like the family can never be together. I I'm trying to rack my brain at what like type of level event that could be. I, mean, I don't I think there is one. I I do not think it doesn't make no, sense. No matter how bad it is. This just feels like stupid logic to give to a character to yeah. justify the weird plot hole that you're... Because effectively, that's what this is. It's right. trying to cover up the plot hole of why all these family members have not been together for so long. And it's trying to write it into the story itself. It's trying to make it a canon thing that they can explain and say, this is the reason why. When there doesn't need to be. It can just be, no. you know, Leanne got separated. She grew up in, yep. you know, Allytown and Gotham. Now they're reunited. Mm-hmm. Happy days. Let's move on with our lives but they're trying to turn it into a canon story and that just like but the bigger problem with this being future oliver's decision is that this is mm-hmm. just like uh any story you've ever read or watched in a movie watched in a tv show where mm-hmm. a character says they can never know the truth otherwise they will not be safe right. 9.9999999 times out of 10 the right. character having more information will make them safer right mm-hmm. every time Every time. There's not a single time where they say that and I go, yes, that makes sense. Once once in a blue moon, the circumstances make some amount of sense where, or maybe if they know about a thing, they'll look into something and it'll lead to something well, bad. But that's... It, it's, it's stuff like Back to the Future, right? Doc tells Marty and Jennifer, you can't know too much about your future, right? But that's just basically, I always took that as Doc doesn't want them poking around. Well, right. that's different though, because that's that Spotify effect. That's time travel. That's a different. That's a whole different. Right, thing. right, right. But like, but at the same time, when they do meet each other, right, nothing like catastrophic happens. You know, so like you're talking about the ninety nine point nine nine percent of stuff. Like you're right. Just the more they know, the better that they'll be at handling something. Yeah, so, that's a, that's you know that's a very different thing. I'm I'm talking about when a character's like I'm not going. To, I mean, I, I suppose the obvious example, given we're talking about superheroes, mm-hmm. is that I can't tell them that I'm really Superman because it'll put them in danger. No, if they know that there's going to be supervillains coming right. after them because they're related to you, then maybe they'll take precautions. Yeah, uh, maybe they'll make decisions with all the information like, at hand for I, better I like, decisions. I like to think this is how Bendis went and pitched the revealing Superman's. Uh, identity to everybody i was like look no they'll be safer if they know uh, so it's, it's basically that but turned up mm-hmm. like several more notches of like their entire family can never be together if there's ever more than two of them or three of them together at a time then mm-hmm. reality starts warping and people get sent to different times and places like it's so stupid also it, and what, what constitutes as part of the family as well because during um rebirth you know we had dinah with ollie and emmy 
um, in, in Diggle. Like, that's four? Does Diggle count as part of the family? Does he not? And if he doesn't, then why not? Because it's not like Dinah and Ollie are married. She's not technically part of the family. She's part of the family right. to us in, like, in the general sense. But that would right. make you think that Diggle should also be included. And maybe even, what was the other guy that hung around with them then? The sort of nerdy one. Yeah, you had uh, the, the tech guy. Five. I can't remember his name. Fife, there you go. That's the one. Yeah, um, what about Fife? Like, how, is it, this is like five family members now. Isn't right. this too many that we should kick everything into like alternate like reality jumping? I, I, I yeah. yeah, it's just not good storytelling. It, it, it bums me out. So, because uh, yeah, I've been one of Williamson's biggest like flag bearers. Matt, if you, you will. say this every single time we're shitting on a Williamson book. You have to bring up, oh, I've been his biggest defender and I love his I know, books. but it just... Because it feels like, I feel like I have to justify... It doesn't matter now, though. You've said that enough yeah. times. We've yes, had so many of these books. Like, this is just I the feel, status quo we're in. I feel guilty, though. That's all. I want to like this more. I do. <laughs> but it's just, it's making it very difficult. Oh. And it definitely makes me worried for Night Terrors. Like, even more than oh. I already was. I'm talking about the main book. Yeah, the main. The, the tie-in stuff. Which the main book. Uh, that's like a four-issue thing, right? It's like two issues yeah. per month. Yeah. So it just it, it bums me out. That's all. I, I want to go back to the days of Robin, doing a Mortal Kombat tournament, and everything was simple. That wasn't well, even sometime. that long. That was like fifteen months. So. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like when he's not doing reality altering stories, I feel like he writes stuff that we like, and I feel like when he's changing reality, he just doesn't have it. You know, like I remember people roasting Jeff Johns for you know the reality punches. But at least that, you know, made canonical sense for all of these changes that had happened over time, you know. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Actually, that's actually something to say, is that this feels like him trying to do a Jeff Johns thing, and it's falling flat in its face. It's not working at all. (laughs) Nope. So, you know, but but yeah, whatever people were detracting of it at the time, but... I, I felt like it made story sense. This doesn't make story sense. I mean, clearly yeah. some people are always sensitive to it, and I clearly can like it if it's done, you know, yeah. in a way that clicks with me. But Williamson never clicks with me when he's trying to do stuff like this. It always yeah. feels, you know, as soon as he started introducing all those other forces in the Flash, it was like, uh Yeah. You know? Um, anywho, what are you rating, Green Arrow? <sighs> this is a f- 4.5. Because even the art... I don't know if this is probably just me being biased. I didn't think the art was as crisp as it has been, like when it started. Maybe it's the colors and the inks, but even that. So, yeah, 4.5. Yeah. I'll go with a 4. Yeah. 4.5 from you is quite harsh, actually. Yeah, I know. I don't like it. I feel guilty. Oh, I bet you do. Um, all right, let's move on then to Batman: The Brave and the Bold, issue two. Tom King and Mitch Garrods. Now, obviously, it's not just them. It is an anthology book. There's three other stories, but much like last month, we've only read. Well, actually, I don't know. Maybe Matt did read another story. I I, I read the Joel Jones because it's like six pages, so I'll, I can talk about that. One oh, you're breaking out all the all the. It's, the... it's a nice it's a nice little palate cleanser that's didn't leave me feeling sad and scared like the end of this one so okay okay yeah so we gushed over the last uh mm-hmm. part of this story uh, this is obviously the stoker of joker's first you know rodeo in gotham um and this issue likewise starts off with 
another rich guy who's been promised that he's going to be killed by the Joker at midnight, yep. and Gordon and the police are waiting around with him. Again, we said this last time, I'm sure, but this all goes all the way back to Batman issue one, the Joker's first yep. ever story. This was the kind of thing that he did right from the start. Um, and it still works today. It's still a really good effect of, uh, you know, tense bit of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Where are we? Here we go. Uh, so, it you know brings back the the silent film style panels for Joker's dialogue, uh, which yep. is still very effective. Um, and we basically get what eventually is the murder of this this rich guy, but also all of the cops that are there except Gordon, uh, seemingly. And and also what got me too right is that they're all standing around and Gordon's promising this guy, look, we got you. There's no way he can get in. Uh, and and there's zero corruption because these are all guys I personally trust, right? Yeah, which uh, makes and, it harder when they all, yeah. Right, that these were like the good cops of Gotham. And when Joker attacks, and right, he hits the guy with the poisoned art and the Joker gas paralyzes all the other cops. He makes his appearance, he, is, he was hiding in the suit of armor in this guy's house. And it's very prominent in the art, right? As, as it goes around, he keeps seeing the suit of armor and... He gets up and he just starts wrecking people with swords as they're on the ground. I guess spoiler for a a famous movie from 2004. Uh So if you don't want a spoiler for Saw, then Uh uh, skip ahead like 30 seconds. But it's kind of, he pulls a saw. He's he's there the whole time in the room. You know, that's that's very, very Saw. Um, Also, as we go through here, I I will will put out some of Joker's uh, really dark jokes because I think they're quite funny. Uh, Me too. I was like, (laughs) I feel bad for laughing at this, but that's a good joke. Yeah, the first one's quite extended, but basically it's uh, it's like, oh, my girlfriend kept saying she wanted to have a fairy tale marriage. Uh, So I I conceded and she didn't seem to like it when uh, I dressed her in my grandma's clothes and fed her to a wolf. Uh, It's not the best one in the book, but it got a chuckle out of it. Yeah, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, this this scene is pretty brutal. You know, obviously the knight, the the suit of armor, like he opens it up mm-hmm. eventually after he's been hacking with the sword for a bit, and then. But it's also the the way that Garrett's is drawing him with the dark pupils mm-hmm. too. It gives them a demonic presence, like even more so than the Joker. Like it's definitely playing with the whole theatrics, right? Because this is Gordon's point of view, you would think. Right. Yeah, it seems like uh, it. Because yeah, it's, it's always with, look, it's always looking up at him. Yeah. Right. And with the with the effects of the gas or whatever, it kind of feels like when the when people see Batman, right, and they think he's more more creature than man, you know. So I felt like it was kind of playing with that whole idea too. Yeah, because it's, it's Gordon, building the myth of the Joker. Yeah, Gordon and all the cops are paralyzed. They've been hit with gas. That not yep. Joker gas, just paralyzing yep. gas. Uh, whereas the guy that he's there. He, killed they said he was going to kill he yep. immediately got darted with a, a joker toxin so he's smelling mm-hmm. dead uh, as you yep. expect but the cops are just paralyzed which actually is time for joke number two uh one <laughs> time i neglected to open a door for a lady and she yelled at me chivalry is dead i disagreed so i challenged her to a duel in the end i won the argument Chivalry's not dead but she is <laughs> That one's there. There's another one. That I'm sure you'll get to. Uh, that one was close to my favorite. Yeah, I I, I like that one. That one. That one. The, the irony of him proving chivalry is not dead by killing a woman for saying that chivalry is dead is is the sort of dark funny uh, that gets to me. Uh, well, so yeah, so Joker is a great full page panel uh, looking up at him uh, again. So Gordon's you know he's helpless. He's on the ground, mm-hmm. and 
He literally describes how Joker cut out some of the eyeballs of the other cops and started juggling with them in front of him. And he tells Batman that he's, he's going to have to do eight funerals, all of them closed casket. Uh, dark it's, as shit, it, you know? Yeah, it's like, it was like when, again, the Riddler, by the same team, the One Bad Day Riddler, where there's just this sense of, like, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not tension, a sense of dread just throughout. So, like, when Gordon says, yeah, I have to have eight funerals, it, all of them closed casket, and these are supposed to be, like, the best cops in Gotham. The ones that, you know, it's almost just, like, this one event made Gotham worse. Which you know? actually leads to, like, what you said to Batman here as well, but it's this mm-hmm. idea that this is a type of villain that the regular infrastructure of the city, that the police force just cannot handle. This guy right. is beyond their capabilities. This is someone who is crazy, who has went off the deep end, who's a force of nature, and that basically he needs someone else who's broken. And that's when Batman, Batman's out the scene. But it's basically Gordon saying, you're all we've got to fight him because we can't. He is just too much. You know, he's, he's too... Yep. Almost like ethereal of a of like a villain yeah. for them to even... again. This this is what builds the myth of Joker, right? Yeah, it's yeah. It, it's building his that the aura that he carries. So, Batman's big plan uh, to lure the Joker into a trap is to talk to the rich asshole that he was talking to last issue at the party, mm-hmm. and basically he says, "Oh, I'm going to do this thing where I'm going to say the Joker can't kill me." And, you know, I'm going to knock the Joker out when he gets here. And I'll be the guy who took down the Joker because mm-hmm. I'm a badass. But he's saying all this. And he says it in really sort of non batman dialogue. It all sounds really yeah. weird. But it's intentional because he's trying to sound like a, a dude bro. And yeah. it's basically to convince this arrogant asshole to do what he was suggesting so that there's a trap laid for Joker. Because he thinks Joker will see it coming if it's from Bruce Wayne. It will sound too good to be true. Whereas right. this guy is the perfect, sh- you know, schmuck yep. <laughs> to do this. Well, and, and that goes into the 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 moral that that Alfred tells Bruce about. You know, he goes, "Your father used to like to fish, and I would offer to bait the hook for him." And Thomas would tell me, "Like, no, I have to kill the worm in order to eat, so it makes it, you know, special, right?" And then Bruce says, "I believe something like, well, the, I wouldn't kill the worm, you know." And Alfred's like, "Well, yeah, but that part of it is like." You're sacrificing this for something bigger, right? Um, and it just made me look at Bruce thinking like, oh, I'm going to get out of this by using this guy as bait, right? And he gets him killed, right? Like, uh, it's like he didn't, he, he's overestimating his skill at this point, right? Because this is still yeah. year one. Yeah, so, it's still year one. Alfred's basically saying, you know, like Thomas, like basically it was only honorable to, to for him to kill the worm himself because right. he was the one going to be benefiting from it and right. Bruce's response is no one dies like very stern right. very batman you know <laughs> like right. no one dies like i'll stop anything from happening but we get right. this like montage of like different criminals talking about this rich guy who's clearly been bragging that he's going to take mm-hmm. out the joker um and we even see like the guy lying in the table and like what looks like the morgue <laughs> the joker's like hearing this from um he's uh, operating on him while he's awake, yeah. talk about saw, like whew. Yeah, yeah. Then you see looking from behind like, the the curtain, you know the mm-hmm. you know that slightly transparent medical curtain where you just see yep. sort of his like silhouette through it. Uh, it's super atmospheric, super grime, dark, all that stuff. And sure enough, we go to this rich guy and, and, and Nelson 
who's sitting with a gun in his hand and he's mm-hmm. in a big mansion waiting for the Joker. Um, and of course he hears, you know, a knock at the door and he, he's like, who's there? He's like, Justin. He's like, Justin who, <laughs> you effing clown? Just in time. <laughs> and then Bards is in. Uh, he gets shot multiple times in the uh, yeah. in the chest, which I assume he's yeah. wearing a vest, or maybe yeah. he's just he's just Joker, so whatever. Right. Uh, but he's screaming at him, and I love this. So uh, he's stabbing at him, and he stabs Nelson through his hand. It's super violent. But this page, which is split up into six panels, the stabbings mm-hmm. are all on the left side. On the right side, it's just the silent cinema. Uh, you know, yep. text for his dialogue, and it's just Joker saying over and over again, "Do you get it?" So I'm just imagining you, Joker yep. stabbing at someone, going, "Do you get it? Stab? Do you get it? Stab?" Yep. That is about as manic as a possible like scenario as I can think of. It's it's and it, and it makes him feel like a like a proper slasher villain, right? Oh yeah, like, it makes him scary. Yeah. Like the way that he just comes through, and he's never it's it's Michael Myers esque, right? Where he's just not going to stop. He's almost a force of nature. At this point. Yeah. Um, he's just a lot more chatty, obviously. But <laughs> Of course, of course. Uh, yeah, obviously see Batman's hand coming at the end of that page, yeah. though. And then next page, Batman's got him by the shirt. And I do I think it's interesting that Batman's first thing is to tell Joker, because Joker's so scary to everyone else, and Batman's mm-hmm. thing's obviously about fear, and that, you know, criminals are superstitious, yep. they're cowardly, blah, blah, blah. And he's basically asserting to Joker, I'm not going to be scared of you, but... I am the goddamn Batman, so you're going to be scared of me. He's basically trying to... Like, obviously, this is his tactic with everyone, but on some level, it's like either he's underestimating Joker or he's trying to convince himself that's true yeah. as he's coming after after Joker. Uh, yeah. Who, by the way, before he jumps out the window, does tell a joke. Uh, yep. Here's one. What did the cannibal do after he dumped his girlfriend? He wiped his ass. That's, that's... That was a groaner one for me. I don't but, know, that's pretty funny. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk that up to Joker, you know, be you know, just stabbing a dude, adrenaline's going, he's not thinking clearly. Uh, oh yeah, but so, this one. I was digging around yeah. in my backyard and I found a lockbox. I pried it open and it was full of cash. Thousands of dollars. I rushed inside to tell my wife, and then I remembered why I was digging in the backyard. That's my favorite one. That's that's the one that got you the most. That's okay. the one that got me, because that that's a joke on levels. Yeah so oh dear um yeah uh, yeah honestly one of my favorite panels of this whole thing is on that page with that joke and joker's kind of gotten away and it's like mm-hmm. he's hitchhiking and there's just this kind of like foggy panel of him standing with his thumb out it's it's the stuff of nightmares it's beautiful that, yeah like it's just scary scary clown standing in the fog i don't know how you consider that beautiful yes garrett's art is beautiful that image though Mm-mm. yeah no, beautiful in a horror way though yeah yeah but like, yeah. yeah and he, he obviously kills this guy who drives up to see who it is yeah. and just he literally yeets him out the car uh well, I, I do like though that he you know anytime he stabs he does say do you get it yeah you know, so it's like you know getting the point across yeah. if you will uh batman obviously gives chase uh probably one of the weaker jokes for me in this page which is uh yeah um you know someone was jumping uh, at a restaurant and someone said does anyone know cpr and i said not off the top of my head but if you hum a few bars i might pick it up and then everyone in the place started laughing and laughing except for one guy probably the guy who was dying 
Right. And I, I think that one's about delivery. Yeah. I think the the, the, the right person delivering that joke, it works. That's true. Um, yeah. If someone, the way this, it's the way you say, except for that one guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the way you say that probably that gets mm-hmm. it. Um, also, my girlfriend's dog died and she took it really hard. So I tried to make her feel better by buying her an identical dog. <laughs> but that just made her more upset. She just shouted at me. Why would I want two dead dogs? <laughs> That that's an always sunny plotline, <laughs> right there. Like, oh dear. So yeah, that's um, a that's a Frank Reynolds thing to do. So yeah, so Batman <clears throat> tries to you know jump out of this car, and he ends up yeah. getting hit by the car or whatever, and like falling to the ground. So Joker yeah. actually gets a chance to just stump at him and kick him when he's on the ground, and it and, feels and, it feels really manic. You know, there's blood spatter mm-hmm. kind of coming up as he's kicking Batman while he's down, and Batman's trying to say the word pathetic, but he can't huh. get it out because he keeps getting kicked. Yep. Uh, also actually that's maybe my favourite joke now that I'm thinking about it uh, give a man a match he's warm for a day light him on fire and he's warm for the rest of his life I mean that's also factually true it's factually right? true you can't, yeah. you can't deny it uh, also I don't know how much of a joke this is but it's I'm sorry and I apologise mean the same thing except at a funeral no I get this one this is basically saying no. Yeah, you know, so that, if you're at, if you're at a funeral and you say I'm sorry, uh, everyone says that. But if you're right. at a funeral and you say I apologize, that implies you killed right. them. <laughs> I don't know if that's as much of a joke as much of it's just like one of those, you know, ph- philosophical, mm. you know, type thing. And so to me, that one also really stand out because it's as he is stomping the ever loving piss out of Batman. Yeah. Uh, so I, I read a whole book about an immortal dog. It was impossible to put down. <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's a Tim joke. Uh, honestly, That's a Tim joke. the worst joke here, probably just mm-hmm. because it was so predictable, was the one about the bananas, where he's like, someone told me that humans eat more bananas than monkeys. At first, I didn't believe them. But then I was like, when was the last time I ate a monkey? Like, that punchline is so obvious that yep. that one didn't land for me at all. But yeah. almost the rest of them, I thought were it's, great. I mean, they run the gamut, right? Not all jokes are going to hit for everybody. Even yeah. Joker knows that. Yeah, so, uh, so this is we're actually at the end of the story here. Uh, mm-hmm. He's stomping the shit out of Batman, and then he throws Batman over the bridge that they're on. Yep. And he's falling uh, from the bridge. It looks great. I love how in the last panel you can see Joker's actually waving goodbye uh-huh. uh, on the bridge. He's tiny in the frame, but you can see him. <laughs> that is so funny, though. Uh, yeah. And it does that thing as well, where the same as the last issue, where the mm-hmm. silent film caption boxes... Uh, start to deteriorate as if the film's yep. going out of you know whack. Um, wonderful, and uh, you know th- this issue is you know when you look back at it once you've read the whole thing, I think it's exactly what it needs to be. This is Batman thinking he can deal with this new threat, but he doesn't yep. actually properly take him as seriously as he should yet. Yeah, he's he's no longer fighting gangsters and criminals. Yeah, yeah, right? it's a whole new thing. It's for a him. whole new yeah. thing, and he's got to adjust, right? You know, in hockey, they say you make the adjustments in between the periods. Well, he's got to come in from the next one ready to go because uh, he's at the bottom of the river right now. It's also when you try so, and get pregnant in between the periods. Hey, now, that's a Joker joke. That's what I was going for. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also factually true, like the man on fire. <laughs> it wasn't dark enough to be a proper Joker joke. True. Uh, true. I need to work in some death or something. Uh, sure. Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, but yeah, no, this is another just masterclass from from King and Gary. Yeah, it's 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 wonderful. Obviously, the first chunk of it's that just horrifically horror story of the Joker coming and killing this man, yeah. despite Gordon doing his best to stop it. It's setting up that it needs someone different, mm-hmm. like a Batman, to like deal with the problem. But then Batman right. is too overconfident and doesn't really 
you know, mm. understand how dangerous the Joker is yet, and that leads to his like failure here. So obviously, yeah. you expect he's learned a lesson and will be bouncing back. Uh, if not next issue, then certainly over the next several. But um, right. no, that's. I mean, as far as building up Joker as a threat and as an imposing villain, yeah. Well, and it feels like this is a special Joker too. This is not like a Joker we've read too many times before. Like, because I feel the team puts in like the wave at the end, right? Sometimes people focus too much on making Joker like dark and scary, but I feel like here King and Garrett's are really having fun with like, with that. He's like, probably what's the He's probably darker and scarier than most versions of the Joker, yeah. but with these little flourishes of like, no, but he's still got his goofy little mm-hmm. moment at it's, the end. So I haven't seen Terrifier, but is this what like Art the Clown's kind of like? Well, he doesn't like, speak, not, but not, I, I can talking, I can see like, the comparison. Like the gestures, there's the, you know, there's a moment in Terrifier too where they're in like a, a costume store, right? Uh, uh-huh. And the main character's buying a costume, and Art's in there, right? And he's just sort of like sulking about in the background. Mm-hmm. And he picks up the little uh, horn thing that you squeeze, right? Uh-huh. And he starts walking towards the main character like this, the proper uh-huh. like sneaky hands up in the air <laughs> thing. And he gets up, and the way he slides into frame, and then just slowly brings up the the horn to uh-huh. like ear level. And she knows he's there, but she's trying not to look at him. And then right. she just says please don't and then he starts squeezing the horn it's very, right. that is a very joker moment actually i never really thought yeah. about it but it's very, so that, that is so very joker. <laughs> and not just because of the clown but i can just from what i've heard because he does it's all like it's a very physical performance yes and yes. a lot of the stuff in this especially this issue a lot of the stuff that joker does that's kind of funny yes. what, is all physical what we've ascertained here is that matt needs to watch terrifier one and two I, so so i've i have it saved it's on peacock right now oh, i just i just don't know if it's if it's proper when i go to work overtime and i have time to kill if i should be watching that at my place nah, of work. Maybe, maybe not in the place of work but you should <laughs> yeah. watch terrifier one and two it's it's, yeah. it's it's very it's very i don't even know if it's already maybe nc17 to be honest yeah. but my uh, <laughs> my brother did show up uh this you know to pick up something from my house wearing his terrifier shirt so you know he's he's been pushing me as well i just i don't know if i'm ready but i don't also know if it's one of those things they've just built up in my head that i can't handle it's, it's like it's very being... violent and gory, but it's a very sort right. of like darkly funny violent and gory. It's never, right. a, you know, as long as it's like if it's like, like again the the remake of Evil Dead or the reboot, you know that that got you know buckets of blood, gallons of blood. I'm okay with that, but when it's a little bit more grimmer, that's where I have problems. So, you know, I can do big cartoony blood. That that's fine. Like, I I don't want to spoil anything, right? But yes. there's a scene in Terrifier two where you think it's over and he somehow keeps finding a way to continue That's... killing one person. and it's... My brother told me, yeah. It... Not that he spoiled it, but he kind of explained the situation. Yeah. It's it's uh... glorious. It basically happened because the pandemic like delayed them shooting anymore for a right. while. So they just kept adding more insane like prosthetics and stuff to this one scene. Just stuff to just, keep doing. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's wild. Anyway. It's wild stuff. Um, I highly recommend for horror fans everywhere, Terrifier mm-hmm. and Terrifier 2. Um Terrifier 2 is very much the Gone with the Wind of the slasher movie. Uh, so... <laughs> um, I have to tell my mother-in-law who's a big fan of, of mm. Gone with the Wind. I'll let her know. You need to watch this. It's true, conspir- it's, it's true in comparisons to Gone with the Wind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
oh dear uh yeah but yeah uh, uh, this this king and garrett stories uh is phenomenal yeah. it's uh it's wonderful stuff i mean we, we can rate this a thing and then you can tell us a little bit about that one like short yeah. backup story you read but i don't, I don't remember if i went the full 10 on the last one um you may have done, if we did, i can't remember or if, or if we did 9.5 so i want to keep it consistent because this is just as good so i'm just going to give this the 10 because uh, because it's just it in case just in case just in case and if not we'll just say that the you know joker making me laugh with the jokes in this one uh it was a little half point more but it's either 9.5 or 10 last time and this is the same quality yeah so i will say i think i slightly preferred the first one by a by a mm. smidge by like a smidge yeah. so i will say this is a 9.5 i don't remember what yeah. i gave the last one either it's the same yeah. or it's a half point down either way right. i'm comfortable with that that's okay yeah. Uh, so that, that is uh, the main story in Batman Brave and the Bold it is yeah. excellent admittedly $8 per an issue when you, if you really care about the one main story yeah. it's, a, it's a tough sell so wait in the month for DC Infinite or indeed the excellent hardcover I imagine is going to exist yeah. of just this story yeah. when it's done you guys you guys are if you're not reading this and you listen to us talk about it you are going to want to see this it's, yeah it's a treat like, it's an absolute it's treat a, yeah it's one of those so so there you go. Uh, uh, yeah, you can tell us a little bit about the Joel so, Jones story. So this Joel Jones story, it's it's basically just a showcase for her art, and it's all black and white. And she she gets credit for the story and the art. Um, and it's just it's called Scars, and it's Batman slinking into the the Batcave, uh, and he's all beat up. His legs bleeding. He's leaving like a trail of blood. There's this really nice page that uh, it starts with him at the top. And it, it's got a small figure Batman, and he's got like a trail of, of blood. And then as you follow it, the trail of blood becomes the uh, the Batcave. And you see all of the, the different cars and the giant dinosaur, the giant penny, all that other stuff. And um, he he gets over to the Bat computer, and he slinks down. And uh, he starts in a monologue. You know, it's not as bad as I thought it could have been. It could have been worse. Um, and you know, but I'm sure like it'll leave scars in another way and it comes around and it's, you know, Bane breaking his back. Uh, and then Batman's what? back is, so he's remembering like the, the worst injuries. I, know, I was, just, I was just trying to be funny about it. Gotcha. <laughs> and, uh, Batman's back is to us and you just see all the scars on there. Like it's, mm. it's just ghastly. Uh, and uh, as he's sitting here thinking, he's got the tray next to him with all the different surgical uh, instruments. And all these panels are different fights that he's been in. So you see, like, there's Two-Face and Killer Croc, Black Mask, um, Poison Ivy, Man Bat, uh, I think Clayface and Troloquist. And they're just all these different violent things that have happened to him. Uh and it all looks great because it's black and white. It's very uh, Joel Jones, Joel Jones sketchiness to it. Joel Jones. There you go. Uh, and then he just, you know, leans back in on the back computer. It's more of these. They're like, but these are like big moments from Batman's history. Like you have when the the Talon snuck up on him in the Court of Owls, and you know stabs him through the back. Um, you have Joker and a bunch of playing cards. Um, one of them sticking into Batman. Uh, I'm trying to see what some of these other ones are, but it's just, it's a treat. Uh, and, 
he starts thinking about Selena. So we get a page that's just his interactions with her over time and, you know, how sometimes she's nursed him back to health, but other times that she's been the reason that he's been there. Uh, and as you follow that page down, it's Bruce training, but then it's also various members of the Bat family training with him. And he's, you know, uh, he's looking wistfully, almost as if, like, you know, this is why I do this. Um, and uh, then he starts thinking about his his mom and dad, and I go, I swear if I have to see the, the pearls, I'm going to throw my iPad, right? And it doesn't. It just shows, you know, uh, Thomas and Martha walking. And then... Alfred comes up behind him and goes, sir, maybe if some assistance and Bruce replies that, yeah, I just got a little distracted and he starts tending to Bruce's wounds. Uh, and it, it ends with a, an image of Alfred consoling a young Bruce being like, you know, we're, we're going to get you fixed. That's what I'm here for. So just this very nice kind of story of all the trauma that Bruce has been through and the people that have always, you know, been there for him, whether it's the Bat family or Alfred or whoever else. Um, but it's mostly just a thing, uh, just a showcase of Joel Jones's art. And it looks fantastic in black and white. It's got all these mood to it. And when he's looking kind of wistfully, it, it very, it translates very well. So it's definitely worth, if you already bought this, it's worth just to go look at it. It'll take you a couple minutes to, to get through, but very, very strong stuff. All right, cool. Um, well, that'll take us on to our final book. Of this week, which is City Boy issue two, Greg mm -hmm. Pak writing with Minkai Zhang on the art. Uh, so yeah, this was a super quick read. I thought uh, I got through this in no time at all. Uh, so City Boy, uh, we get a little bit more some flashbacks to him as a kid and some other kids picking on him. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of this is we ended last issue because there's multiple like, timelines going on. But uh, we know he's been taken by Inter Gang and. Last mm -hmm. issue was kind of like him sort of like reacting to his friend, like the homeless guy being uh, hurt. And we yeah. kind of pick up from, from when that leaves off and this this uh, gangster dude's kind of, um, you know, yelling at him, uh, wants him to, you know, he's calling him a monster, things like that. Yeah. And then eventually the guy from Intergang walks in and is like, now nah, we're taking him. Yeah. Um, but we get this glimpse that City Boy can see all these previous fights, all, all the fights that have ever happened mm -hmm. in this location. So yep. we're, you know, we see like gangsters fighting each other from like the 40s in one corner. Uh, we see other fights in the other corner. Um, but yeah, it's uh, basically, it's like his powers unleashing and stuff. And I, I have to yeah. say, I love how uh, uh, Mannheim looks in this, the guy from Intergang. I uh -huh. love I love the very square face, the, the very this kind is... of spiky hair and the mustache. It's very 90s villain to me. This, this What's look. that? And it, it's it's very Kirby. Oh, yeah, like, I can see that. Yeah. This, you know, the art style, it's very, he's, he's very bulky and square. Uh, and it just kind of it reminded me of, you know, the almost like, like when you see Ben Grimm before he turned into the thing, it's it's very similar. Yeah. Um, it, so. Yeah, the, the first like half or so of the issue, which is basically like showing you the flashbacks as a kid of him getting beat up mm -hmm. and like him getting angry and it's like the first time he ever fought back properly and yeah. whatever uh to him like unleashing more of his power in present day as he's becoming more desperate he's like no i'm not letting these guys win so yeah, it's tying into kind of his motivations going back to his past and um that he's got a history of being the underdog and stuff like that uh but 
you know, the, the final chunk, though, is maybe the more interesting part where the scientist from Intergang is like, hey, you snuck into my lab, you know, five years ago or whatever, and got, like, connected with the essence of the city, and you've done nothing with it. All you do is go looking for, like, you know, trinkets, trinkets and, yeah. you know, stuff you can sell for money. Um, so we're not having that. And we get this insane tease of, like, what the scientist and Intergang are actually doing and what they're working for. Like, so he turns on a switch and City Boy, like, feels that he's on top of the city and then he sees it burning, he sees Metropolis burning and then he sees Darkseid standing there and the implication I was getting from this is that they're doing something to help Darkseid, like, invade or destroy Earth or something. Was that... Was, was that yeah, so what, what I'm getting is, right, so Intergang usually has a tie to Darkseid, right? They, they, they use Apocalyptin or... I guess that's how you say it. Uh, tech... To you know, to make uh, life hell for Superman. Apocalyptian. I don't know where you say uh, Apocalyptian, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, tech, right? And so, what it seems like is that they were doing is they were trying to whatever technology this is from from the fourth world. Um, it's almost like you know how there's the big pits in Apocalypse. It almost is like that they're trying to turn all the major cities into those, and then through that, you know. They would have this one person that will be able to facilitate that. That's how I took it, is that that was originally what this tech was for, and it just took to him. So, um, yeah, that dark side tease, though, when when he shows up and it's just the boom, I was like, oh, man, this is this is getting there. This took an interesting turn. Yeah, um... I think this sort of opened up the scope of what it was because we, we were all kind of like, oh shit, Intergang's involved? That came out of nowhere yeah. in the last issue. Uh, mm-hmm. And then this issue, it's like, oh shit, now we have this like apocalyptic vision of the future, no pun intended, Yeah. Uh, they, they want to use him for. And they're like literally torturing his friend as well, who's also strapped to a chair mm-hmm. uh, and being electrocuted. Uh, so again, it's like they're kind of almost goading him to like unleash his power. Yeah. And sure enough, what does he do? He ends up like forming a like a a dragon made of concrete out of the city. Yep. It's like a steel stone dragon. It's just, yeah. It's the spirit of Metropolis is what I'm going to say. Uh, so, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, which obviously starts wrecking stuff, um, causes a big ruckus. And they're in Metropolis, so I was thinking, surely Superman's going to notice this at some point. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, the end of the issue is, you know, he's like fighting back against the intergang soldiers. He's going all wrath on them. And he says, this is my city now. And then the red streak comes in and crushes the head it. of the dragon. And the final page is Superman saying, I think this is our city. Or I like to think this is our city. Yeah. So I presume City Boy is going to get some Superman lessons next issue mm-hmm. about, uh, well, being good hey, and empathy let, yeah. and stuff. Let's not <laughs> fold all the glass and steel into a dragon, all right? Like, you got to be a bit more responsible. Well, I think it's interesting because City Boy clearly is this character who has been hard done by and has been living yeah. rough his entire life. He's had a lot of unfortunate circumstances. I think mm-hmm. having Clark sympathize with him and try and sort of lead him on a good path uh, yeah. may make for good stuff. And I do wonder if this is something that he actually like takes in at first or is he going to try and resist and rebel against Superman's teachings at first and then, mm-hmm. you know, down the line? You know, Because Hero's yeah. journey and all that, like he has to resist the call first before he... Right. Effect, you know, before, eventually before he it. listens to the mentor character, so you know. yeah, pot- potential uh, there. Yeah. Uh, and 
And we're getting great cock riding Superman for even if it's just a little bit, which that's nice. I'm yeah. always a fan of. So, yeah, once he was in Metropolis, I was wondering if they were going to try to keep it separate, or if Superman would make an appearance. So when I saw that red streak, I got a big stupid smile. Yeah. I was like, All right. Also, the reference that Gotham and Metropolis were just over the river from each other, which I never like that. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that, especially now because it just makes me think of Batman v Superman, Donna Justice. Yeah. <laughs> and the it, less we think about that, the better. Especially since, like, if they're right next to each other, like Superman should be swooping into Gotham all the time. Like, like anything mm-hmm. happening, like, is so close, he should yeah. be just like diving in anyway because well, he's right so there. Then, so then you're telling me that the. the Metropolis is on the other side of the Bay of Gotham, and then on the other side of Gotham is Bloodhaven. So you have three of the major cities in in the DC universe are all within <coughs> that close of each other. I mean, that's yeah, that, that's well, basically Marvel's uh, New York, you know. Well, I've always thought of Bloodhaven as New Jersey to Gotham's New uh-huh. York. That's how I've always right. seen them. Right, and then you know. Uh, and then you have Metropolis is some unnamed, you know, because as, as it was originally written, it was almost like Metropolis is New York during the day and Gotham is New York at night. Yeah. I think, and that's how they played it. So Yeah, I think in my head, I've, I've always thought of what uh, Metropolis is more Washington, D.C., I guess, just because yeah, it made more sense. sense in my head to me that it was more a stand-in for that, yeah. even though they used New York in the movies to stand-in right. for it, because, you know. Right. Well, and I think traditionally Gotham is in New Jersey, so... Yeah, like I've I've seen things throughout the years, you know. Um, maybe okay. it's just movies where it looks like they have New Jersey style license plates, and that's just a. But, I mean, who knows? Yeah, I don't like when they're across the like they can be. I feel close to each other in the way like Boston and New York are, right? To where they're, they're they should in the de- same region. They should definitely or, be in different states. Like I'll I'll, yeah, just, I'll say that much for sure. Not not across the bay, you know. That I never like that, but yeah. yeah. But no, and and. Jung's art looks great. Is that how you say it? Is it Young or Jung? I actually don't know. I'm not not great at. Yeah, I think I said Jung earlier, which is probably not even right either. That's probably I I went a third option, then it's probably wrong. Yeah, but um, looks great. I mean, again, it's very Kirby esque in the best ways. I don't feel like it's trying to copy Kirby, just using it as a, you know, almost as an homage. Especially with Inner Gang and Dark Side and Superman and all this other stuff, so it definitely uh, doesn't feel house style, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't have that prestige quality to it that some of the other like black label books and stuff have. True. But it doesn't look like it's just doing house style. It does feel like it's its own identity, its own yeah, you know, uh, feel and something like the more square heads and some of the villains to make yeah. them more menacing is exactly what I'm talking about there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so no, that's that's good. I uh, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely. You know, it's not the vigil, right? The vigil's my winner yeah. standout of of this Still. line for sure. But mm-hmm. but City Boy is is a solid read, and I'm enjoying uh, seeing where it's going. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely a quick read, though. Uh, maybe that's just because yeah. the first half or so of this issue was mostly that that fight scene mm-hmm. with the the small flashbacks to him fighting as a kid. Yeah. So, uh, what are you giving City Boy issue two? I'm gonna give this a solid eight. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I think I'll go a smidge lower at 7.5, but yeah. uh, certainly not by much. So that'll take us out of the part of the show where we pick our favourite stuff of the week, favourite panel slash moment, favourite cover, favourite art, and uh, top five books. And I think we read exactly five books this week, so mm-hmm. uh, no points awarded for guessing what's going to come last place for both of us. <laughs> uh, so uh, panel slash moment of the week, Matt, what you got? Um, There was a lot in the Garrett's Joker story, mm-hmm. Garrett's King. 
there's some good stuff in there. That wave at the end really, really is really good. Uh, stuff in tech, I thought also had uh, some some great visuals. It was a great week for Batman. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but for me, it's going to be Metallo ripping Cyborg Superman in two. That was such a great moment. Uh, and just the way that he does it, too. And it's completely found, brutal. You found a way to give it to Superman anyway. Look at you. Uh, now, I am probably going to go with uh, Brave and the Bold. Um, I think there's so many to pick from. I think I'm going to go with Joker coming through the door, just swinging the knife left to right, mm-hmm. like willy-nilly. It's just such a manic entrance that just again feels a little bit different to all the other joker moments we've had in this book yeah and it's been full of them so far so i am going to go with that um cover of the week uh obviously there's not not i mean there's a decent amount of books but there's not a ton of books um yeah. detectives cover is very nice i also really like the Derek chu variant for brave and the bold which is batman fighting like uh joker mm-hmm. goons and clown masks uh, it's just one of those wonderful painted-looking covers. Yeah. Uh, my pick, though, is the same that it's been almost every time there's been an action issue recently, which is the the regular Action Comics cover, because I've been digging those so much. Yeah. Uh, you've got the very old-school, very shaded face of Superman on one side, and then you've got, like, the cyberpunk, you know, techno-horror of Metallo on the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, just, it's such a cyberpunk cover. I love it. So yeah. that's my pick. What you got? So I, I want to shout out Green Arrow for one thing, and that's the uh, the one in twenty five, IG Cure cardstock variant. Is this it's the one with them kissing? The, yeah, I just think it's a real nice image. It's almost got like a watercolor kind of vibe to it. Um, so that was real nice. And then for for Tech, I also want to shout out. There's a Mike Perkins that's got Barbados and Batman. Uh, on a purple background, but when you look at the purple background, it's all of the the Orgum henchman. It's a real nice cover. I like that oh, a lot. Cool. But uh, mine is going to be from Action as well, but uh, in a bit of self-parody, I gotta look up who the artist is. Um, it is going to be the the David Tulaski variant, which has got Superman with with tractor wheels and an axle lifting it over his head like he's doing you know a red press. Uh, I just think it's a great image of Superman. So, looks great. Cool. All right. Uh, Art of the week. I mean, is there any other answer? Not really. I mean, I I like the action comics art. Yeah, me too. I enjoyed City Boy well enough, but it's Mitch Gerrard's. (laughs) Yeah, it goes without saying. That really... Everything doing with the nine-panel grid on top of it, too. It just... Man, these guys are finding new ways to impress me. All right, rank your books, Matt. Go. All right, so one will be Brave and the Bold, two will be Detective, three will be Action, four City Boy, and five Green Arrow. Yeah, one Brave and the Bold, two Detective, three Action, four City Boy, five Green Arrow. Exactly how that works. Exact same. There we go. Uh, I will now tell you what's coming next week from DC Comics. So here we go. Uh, we have Adventures of Superman, John Kent issue five so there's one mm-hmm. ongoing regular book uh well it's a mini but you know i mean it's it's already happening uh right. but we also have uh, night terrors batman issue one night terrors first blood issue one night terrors poison ivy issue one night terrors the joker issue one peacemaker tries hard issue three steelworks issue two night terrors ravager issue one and night terrors black adam issue one 
So, uh, what's interesting about that is the main story not starting next week. Oh no, uh, first blood, I guess. First part. blood, but I feel like that's like when they would do the alpha and omegas. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, that's so, Williamson writing that, so I guess that's the yeah. important one next week. But yeah. well, I, I can definitely tell you, I'll be reading the Poison Ivy for sure. For sure. Because that's yes, yes. Uh, um, so let's see. Uh, Williamson's actually doing the Batman Night Terrors, so fun. Yeah. Morbid curiosity does make me want to read that. I have to let's say. Let's see. Let's see who's the artist, because uh, I'll I'll take out the morbid curiosity for you right now. That's Killer March. I still think I'll probably give it a go, but <laughs> you're right. I will not be looking forward to how it looks. Uh, mm. Matthew Rosenberg's doing the Joker one. Uh, Which I'm sure is based off of his Joker book that he's been writing. Yeah, probably. I'm not reading. Probably tie, tied to that somewhat. Although yeah. I suspect it'll probably work on its own as well, given the way it Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going. But I'm saying it's probably within that realm. Uh, Ed Brisson, kind of like the Ivy book. Ed Brisson is doing Ravager with Dexter Soy on art, so... Uh, Dexter Soy R is always good. That's not. I, that might be a checkout for me because I do love Rose as a character. Yeah. So. And Night Terror's Black Adam is Jeremy Hahn and Nick uh, Filardi. So I actually don't know either of those names very well. So mm. that's a complete uh, roll of the dice, that one. But uh, interesting set uh, for sure. Um, I, I think. Uh, so obviously we'll be reading the first blood because it's the main yeah. part of it. Uh, you'll definitely read Poison Ivy. I'll, I'll give. A few of them I try. Obviously, we're reading Superman. Uh, I'll definitely be doing a Patreon book or two next week as well. I should have done one at least this week. I did not. I will be catching yeah, up. Yeah, so next I'm week. I'm already behind on Steelworks, so I probably won't have time to catch up. So um, that's probably a miss. But yeah, I'm probably good for First Blood, Poison Ivy, and Ravager. Maybe Batman. We'll see. You'll read Batman. Uh, probably because you want to like Williamson, so you're going to read it. In the I do. I know. Stop, stop! Stop telling me who I am. I already know. <laughs> yeah yeah let us know what, you, what uh night terrors books you guys are tempted yeah. to read or if you're just avoiding the thing altogether uh, i love the tempted to read as if it's like i don't want to read it but i will i feel like that's the i i, know, I bet subtext. you like one of two things are going to happen either our numbers for the show are going to be a bit down for two months because no one gives a shit about this night terror stuff and they're just skipping the show as well or well, they might go up a little bit because people aren't reading it, but want to just be vaguely aware of what's going on, True. so they'll just listen to us tell them instead. <laughs> One of those two things is probably going to happen, and I guess we'll find out. Here, here's a shock. The Poison Ivy uh, variant covers are all fantastic. So. Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm absolutely shocked. Oh, that there's one that's really nice, actually. What's that? Yeah. Uh, the Dustin Wynn Midnight card stuff yeah. variant. That one's quite good. That looks good. Okay. There's a McKelvey one that looks that. nice. The Dalva. So, you know, you'll have that to look forward to. Yeah. So we'll promise to try and not be too miserable for the next two months yeah. uh, when it's mostly Night Terror's books. Here's, here's the thing. Pete also watches a lot of bad horror movies, right? Uh-huh. So he's, he's kind of used to talking about stuff and taking the piss <laughs> out of it when he has to. So it'll at least be entertaining, right? So, I love how you're putting that all on me, though. <laughs> like, I, I won't contribute anything, but Peter will entertain us. What, what I am saying is that, you know, there are hours of stuff on Screams After Midnight of you talking about things that you rather not have watched. Uh-huh. That's all. You know, I will try to make it entertaining as well. 
Yes. But Pete's Pete's better at this and, than I am. And maybe Connor will be here occasionally. Maybe. But yeah. Connor's always he always gets behind in this if there's any if there's any time for him to be like, Oh, I'm not catching up. It's now, well, and he that, still probably won't. That's the thing. I can imagine Carter said, I'll be here this week, showing up, reading the one non-Night yep. Terrors book, and be like, I yep. didn't read anything else. Yep. I can see Carter doing that. Mm-hmm. But he has Patreon, so make the ginger suffer. Adjust, adjust. <laughs> Y'all could make him read Night Terrors. Like, that's I true. know it's fun that, to make him read Robin and stuff, but... Yeah, you David, guys can't make him read Night Terrors. Maybe when Tim Drake's done, maybe you could make him go through every single Night Terrors <laughs> issue. Every right, single one. Let's not go one. that far. Okay, Art the Clown. Let's not go that far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we, or make him read the ones that we don't want to read. I don't yeah, know if there's a rule that says you can't make him do the same run again, but maybe go through it twice, just, just for good measure. <laughs> we'll, be, we'll be here till like 2027 with him just repeating Night Terrors. <laughs> The best part is, is Connor's not going to watch this back, so he's not going to know if those are the rules or not. So we can just make it up right now. Mm. You know? Mm. He may kick up a stink. You know what he's like. I know what he's like. Oh, uh, I don't want to. Uh. I'm ginger. I'm miserable. Yeah. Anyway, that is the show. That has been episode 363 of Comics from the Multiverse. Uh, hopefully you found some enjoyment somewhere along yes. the way in the shenanigans uh, but that is the show let us know what you thought of this week's books uh, like subscribe all the usual things help us a lot but of course the main thing is if you want to support the content you can go over to patreon.com slash TV and help keep the show coming every month or every month every week well you you pay every month so that's, I guess that's what I was thinking but you know keep the show coming and uh, what not uh, but that that is us that is the show so thank you very much we'll see you next week uh, for round one and eight terrors Oh boy. Ding ding. We'll, we'll see you then. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. <laughs>